Hey there. We talk about our Patreon campaign a lot, but we know not everybody has extra money to give. Want to let you know about a way to support us that doesn't cost you any extra money. Uh, if you normally shop on Amazon, you can actually go to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar and use the Amazon links that are there. That's an affiliate program style thing. You get the same Amazon that you would normally get. You don't pay any extra, but we get a small kind of like finder's fee sort of deal. Uh, so go to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar if that sounds like a thing that will fit into your life. Thanks. I will not die until I achieve something. Even though the ideal is high, I never give in. Therefore, I never die with regrets. It's nothing else than the principle of the man who has reason for being. The stronger the will you have, the more you will face various trials. There is no absolute in this mundanity, and reality is unveiled. What did it want? What did it see? Sir, you're not going to place an order. I'm going to have to ask you to pull ahead. Don't worry. We will understand each other someday, and the life is succeeded into the distant future. This is Cole Ross. You're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And what you're listening to is an unexpected special. Yay! Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Dun, 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 dun. We said we weren't going to do this in Waffle 2.0, but here we are. Yep. We had to call an audible. Um, don't worry, though. It just means you get more of a thing as opposed to less of a thing. More free trials <laughs> yeah. where you can read. So. <laughs> no, we're doing uh we're doing shoot 'em ups. We ran a poll uh to help us decide what to play. Uh Ikaruga won that by a wide margin. Uh but mm -hmm. that ended up well we'll talk about that. Uh but it wasn't enough, so we decided to throw the second place winner, Jamestown, on that pile too. Ikaruga is too hard. Yep. And I didn't want to do we didn't want to do an episode where yep. neither of us beat the game. Yeah. Um uh, beat the game without training wheels. And also, hey, yes. pump the brakes before you get there. We don't want to hear, oh, Ikaruga isn't too, isn't hard. Yep. You know, as I said before, you know what's not hard? Fucking Fumanite. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the, I know that there are more difficult shooters. However, uh, I yeah. wasn't raised in the artificial gravity that y'all were. So, and, and this ended up actually being, um, I think, a very good idea because uh, these two shooters, while, like, while uh, sharing, so the other one we're doing is Jamestown. Um, while sharing the same genre, um, couldn't be more different mm -hmm. in, in ways that I think are illustrative of each other. Yeah. Um, this is a, I think a great compare and contrast. Uh, it doesn't have to be framed in terms of quality. 
you know, I think there's one of these that is very good and one of them I think has a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. But I think that uh, it is very illustrative as, as different approaches, yeah. um, one of which I think, you know, again, my opinion, but I think is much better right. than the other approach. And they're very interesting uh, and shedding at least a little bit of light on that, like being trained in artificial gravity bit. Because the weird thing I realized last night was playing and enjoying Jamestown made me better at Ikaruga. Right, like, right. Jamestown did the job that Ikaruga didn't do for itself in a lot of ways. Right. You know, it sounds very damning. And like, again, hold your ass, you know, Please. like at least until the end of the episode. Um, I think that's a problem. Yeah. You know, I think I think that's a, that's a big deal. Like if a game, I think a game like eases you in. Mm -hmm. uh, and I get that the end of Ikaruga is harder than the beginning of Ikaruga. But Ikaruga is so short <laughs> that 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 easing in may as well just be a 90 degree wall from the ground. Right. You know, it's it's a it's a, a ninety one degree wall from the ground. Like it is, uh, it's it's barely ramps you in. Right, right. Um, um, so playing these two and kind of comparing and contrasting them in my head has helped me achieve a deeper understanding. I think, even though you know, again, the usual disclaimer: we're tourists in this. There are people who are much more hardcore about this hardcore genre. Um, but it helped me extend a little bit beyond just kind of the superficial similarity that these two games have to see some yes. of the wireframe and see some of the, see some of the forces that are at play um, beneath just the aesthetic or the fact that both of them go up. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like this, this made a big difference in me understanding at least a little bit more without right. getting a full understanding of, of this, this, this shoot em up genre, this bullet hell genre. Right. Um, and the, uh, you know, so it's a little bit like under somebody sitting down, you know, in a less torturous way, somebody explaining the difference between jungle and drum and bass. Right. Like that sounds like a nightmare, right? Like, we, we can all imagine how awful it would be to have somebody explain to you that difference. Right. But if you actually sat down and listened to two songs or two albums, mm -hmm. and then you knew the difference, like, you're still gaining knowledge. Right. You know, so that's, that's kind of what it was. And, like, the, uh, at least for me, and some people don't like episodes where we are tourists. Mm -hmm. um, and there's two reasons. I, I've been thinking about that, like, why people don't like those episodes. Um, and the two things are, one, um, that we have better insight with things we're better, more familiar with. Right. I think that's the fair criticism. Um, I think that, you know, it is, uh, I think there's value to an exploratory perspective on this stuff, but mm -hmm. not everybody has to agree with that. The less fair criticism, I think, is that people think that when we do things we're tourists on, we just don't know enough to say anything of value. Right. Like, it's just like, oh, we're just slandering something that has a lot of value. But it's information about the product that people who are as versed as we are in games have this experience with it. Mm -hmm. Like whether that's information that, so at the, the end of the day, like you don't have to agree with our assessment, but the fact that the game caused this kind of reaction and assessment is meaningful and says something about the piece of art. Yeah. Um, you know? And additionally, there are going to be people who are coming from our direction on this as well. Yes, one hundred percent. That's that's the case too. Is that there are people who are like us who like the kinds of games that we generally yeah. like, yeah. which they are not exactly the same, but there's more Venn diagram you know, overlap than not. Mm -hmm. um, who maybe are curious about this kind of genre, right. and it is useful to have two kind of representatives go forward and dip a toe, right? You know, and we can tell you what's to like about these. And I come out of this, and I think everyone should play Jamestown. I think Jamestown is really fun. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think anyone should play Ikaruga. I think, <laughs> like, I mean, if you have fun doing it, you have fun doing it, right, but I right. can't recommend it. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you, especially if you're in our situation, good God, <laughs> like don't start from zero with that because it was <laughs> not, I didn't, I didn't have fun with it. Right. Um, you know, but 
I, I did find something to really like. Yeah. But we had to kind of tweak the format to do that. So don't think this is the return of double episodes where like whenever we have a short game, we're doing two episodes. Like, no, this... there will still be short ass episodes of yeah. this show. Yeah, it was like it was like this. We both decided to play Ikaruka on the same week, the same weekend day. And then yep. you you uh, you you slacked me right as I was writing a slack to you saying, huh? So Ikaruga, huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is this is how we're playing this, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, you mean stage three? Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh, that that circle boss, huh? Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. yeah. That, that that bicycle, <laughs> trapped in a bicycle wheel boss, which is one of the most hateful experiences that, like, had in a game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, so, I hate that boss so much. It's, it, um, it, it, it is quite bad. Um, so, the you know, except as a premise that, you know, an outsider can have an opinion about these things and that maybe shoot-em-ups shoot are a wide enough and diverse enough genre that you know there can be something for you who plays toe shooters that are you know nothing but bullets all over the place you know etc mm-hmm. you know it's the things that we would categorize as hateful and that there is you know room for playing and thinking about them from a perspective that is not entirely steeped in the in the genre we're, in we're expertise going, yeah. like assumed expertise in the genre Assu- assumed assumed expertise um accumulated knowledge about these things like when i was writing this i was kind of coming up with my own names for the patterns that we see that there may actually be vocabulary for um it's just you know uh you know impenetrable to yes. to, to, to to head right to the end when you know you're you're right at the beginning <laughs> yeah yeah, it is. Um, also, I was really happy to find a place for me within that genre, at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are probably other uh, games that have the kind of degree of uh, ramp. Yeah, that's something like a Jamestown does that I, I would look out for. Yeah, what? Well, like I, I pulled up our type too, and that is a fun arcade game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I played. Um, I got an NES Classic, and I started. I played uh, Gradius, which is very different. Uh-huh. But I uh, played the NES Gradius for a while just mm-hmm. to give myself a point of reference of like, what was this like in the eighties? Uh-huh. You know, like I, I played those games. If I see a shoot 'em up in, uh, in an arcade, like I'll play it. Like I think it's a really fun arcade experience. Usually, mm-hmm. as long as I don't go into it with any kind of expectations. Of, yeah, you know, expectations anything. of seeing the end. Like set a budget for yourself and say like, I'm going to give myself like two continues. But yes, it feels very much like pinball to me. Yeah, where like I don't understand all the intrices in in intricacies intricacies Ah, we broke Gary. We need to get a new one. Is this the start of the Macarena? Yeah, you were doing Doctor Evil's Macarena. I I don't understand all of the the Macarenas about it, but I do understand uh that it is fun to watch explosions and lights yeah and yeah. Ha- listen to cool sounds look at cool ships for a few minutes mm-hmm. um that is and as we'll we'll talk about that is what uh ikaruga started as mm-hmm. you know as an arcade game so it you know it it all makes sense we're being insufferably defensive some people don't like this kind of shit yeah it, at the same time like I, like this I, is I, a I want hardcore some subgenre that people are very passionate yeah. about yeah. I, w- I want people to understand my reaction to their reaction if they decide to be confrontational about this so with with all of that hemming and hawing out of the way yes uh, let's get into it we'll, we'll cover uh, ikaruga first let's do ikaruga we're going chronologically because music break 
Ikaruga is a shoot 'em up developed by Treasure and published by Sega for the arcade, Dreamcast, GameCube, Xbox 360, and PC, uh, starting like back in 2001. And that was the first, you know, the, 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 the first version of this. And Gary, this is our first Treasure game, which I have mixed feelings about. A, I like Treasure a lot. This is mm-hmm. not a good intro point for talking about Treasure. Yeah. Uh, this this is a this is an odd treasure game I think yeah um too I think I like treasure games as well um even though this made me now think it's like maybe I like half the treasure games I mean you know they they do they do shmups and they do platformers I like their platformers a lot yeah <laughs> no, it, it's like how I like I mean I like half the Metroid games right. you know or I mean a little less than half like I like some of the Zelda games like it's not it's hard for me to call myself a fan of the I think in general this is kind of what taught me that yes uh, a little bit maybe consider that um it is a vertical shooter um and just to Full disclosure: What that means is you're moving from up or from the bottom up uh, on the game auto scrolls. Yes. So you have a kind of a series of obstacles that come through, and uh, you have this bounded box playfield mm-hmm. uh, that changes that you move your character through a maneuver to uh, to dodge things. Mm-hmm. Um, this has a gimmick, a strong gimmick, which is I think is a big reason why this is so lauded. Right. Um, and that is that you have uh, polarity in this game. You change polarity. Right. Um, and this is very important because like a lot of shoot 'em ups, you don't really have a lot of survivability. If you get hit, you're down. Uh, but polarity allows you to, um, absorb or ignore projectiles. Yes. Like, like this is your defensive vocabulary. Yes. You change from black to white. Uh, mm-hmm. if you are white, you can absorb white bullets. If you're black, you can absorb black bullets. Yes. So when you absorb um, bullets, they fill a special attack meter. Uh, and boy, do you need those homing lasers that it lets you deploy. Yes. Um, also, uh, something that a mechanic that I didn't spend, you know, I, I trucked with, but I didn't have the freedom of survivability to truck with that much, uh-huh. um, is that you do more damage to the opposite side. Yes. So it sets up part of the reason why this game is really well loved. And this is something that I think is very respectable is that there's a very simple risk reward mechanic inherent in every moment mm-hmm. of the game. I am facing a white ship. The white ship is likely to fire white bullets at me. If I decide to stay in white polarity, um, I will absorb those bullets and get a potential stronger attack later, mm-hmm. but I will do less damage to the ship. Right. If I decide to take more risk and turn to black polarity, I will kill the ship faster and get myself out of danger sooner, mm-hmm. but I won't be invincible to those bullets and I won't be able to fill that meter. Yes. That's cool. Uh-huh. Uh, that is very elegant. Very much so. Uh, yeah. Additional level of elegance, because shoot 'em ups are entirely based around patterns, both patterns of enemies as they arrive on the screen and the patterns of the projectiles that they put out, uh, and you have kind of a fixed motion rate, you know, a fixed rate of movement around the screen, this introduces an element of rhythm uh, to the mm-hmm. game as well. Um, you know, if you're playing this on a controller, you know, there are probably be people who say, oh, you have to turn your monitor vertical and play this with a, with, with a Someone joystick. Someone told me that on Twitter last night. <laughs> the, like, no yeah. joke. Like, it just literally yeah. happened. Like, right. Um, they're just like, did you turn it vertical? I'm like, fuck no. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he showed me a picture of it. It did look neat, but, uh-huh. you know. I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this, the, this is my pro tip. Um, the default mapping isn't very good for that. I, I just took the, uh, I took the polarity change. I popped that on a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't yeah. uh, doing thumb gymnastics. Yeah. And that that's uh, that ends up being kind of smart. So this, this system, this very elegant system came at the end of like a, a series of kind of trial runs um, that would have been terrible. <laughs> um, one of the ways that uh, it was originally going to be is that you had to absorb bullets to shoot them, right. um, which would be very difficult. Another thing was that if you absorbed bullets, your uh, power meter went down. Mm-hmm. So the longer you stayed defensive, the less damage you did. Right. Um, either of those changes would have ruined the game. Right. So this is a great example of some of a developer eschewing things that maybe sound like a good idea to actually trim away features to make something very good. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, the idea of limited ammo like that and kind of forcing you to run into projectiles um, purposefully uh, is a really yeah. big subversion of shoot 'em up. Uh, but the reason that they decided not to do that was that it would disrupt the pace of action. Like it would lead to too much uh, passivity as you play. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that whole idea of if you, you're doing less damage, if you're being defensive, just means that you will set yourself up in a spiral. Yeah. Poor, get poor. You know, yeah. Poor, get poor. Like you, you eventually the same, you'll stay on the stage on the screen too long. You will eventually die to an unlucky, unlucky shot. Right. So um, I'm really glad they ended up with this. This is the best version of what this is yeah. as far as the actual system goes. You know, I don't think so as far as the actual patterns and design, right. encounter right. design. Yeah. But as far as the system goes, it is laudable and elegant, and I think it is super cool. Yeah, it is It, it is an extremely attractive gimmick. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, that, that mode where you can only shoot bullets that you absorb um, is available um, in the game. You have to unlock it. Like, it's a pretty strict unlock that you have to do, uh, but it's uh, called bullet eater mode. So you can give that a try if you want to. Yes. Um, one of the things that's, that's uh, worth noting here is that when you do uh, switch polarity, it takes a moment. Uh -huh. um, I think that's huge. That's another thing that I really wish wasn't the case. I wish that was instantaneous. Um, I died a lot switching. Yeah. It's, uh, it's part of the um, animation. Like it's the ship yes. rolling over. Yes. Um, I died during that animation a lot. Yeah. Um. But that is uh, something worth noting about that polarity change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, that gimmick is kind of it. Like there are no power-ups. There are no pickups. Um, the uh, special attack ends up being important. Like I said, um, as you absorb as you absorb bullets, you fill up meters. And you can go up to uh, 12 of these homing lasers that you fire off. And this ends up being kind of your sole, your sole means of attack against some of the larger bosses that keep you trapped in these defensive patterns, hoping that you will, you know, spend all of your time absorbing stuff and then just fire this off without mind for what you're aiming at or what you're right in front of. Yes. Yeah. It's, and that's generally stock advice that comes with bullet hell yes. shooters is that you should just concentrate on dodging. The, the offense will take care of itself. Yeah. Um, I did not always find that to be true in this game, but mm -hmm. it is generally true. Yeah. Uh, the game there is uh so that's a, in general, you and I are talking about for both these games kind of survival-based play. Yes. Um, all, a cool thing that shoot 'em up games do in general and bullet hell games do specifically is that there it kind of has a built-in uh, easier mode and harder mode in that you can play for high score. Right. Um, this game has an interesting... Uh, both games doing have an interesting score system. Um, in Ikaruga, uh, if you destroy enemies in a row, ships that are the same color... In groups you of threes. Increased, in groups of threes, uh, you get increased multipliers. This is really cool because at any given time, there's usually kind of a parody. Um, there'll be, you know, a pattern of black ships on the right and a pattern mm -hmm. of white ships on the left. Um, and it's almost like two games overlaid on top of each other. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to ignore the other dimension leaking in <laughs> and just deal with this, this other one. That's kind of neat. Um, I never got to the point where I could concentrate on score in either of the games. No. Even the one that's much easier. Right. Um, I'm always concentrating on survival and it's just I can't uh, I can't care about score in games. Mm -hmm. It's just not interesting to me. Right. So, and I mean, for, for me, the defensive pattern reading is always much more is always much more uh, fun to play. However, um, in kind of researching the game, I did load up like a massively skilled um, uh, YouTube video, like somebody doing like an S plus plus run on the hardest difficulty or whatever. And watching the way that um, 
<laughs> just the like the accuracy play that happens in killing um you know killing enemies in the pattern that you need to get this multiplayer you know three 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 especially when they're mixed up and all these uh and all these kind of like tight patterns um mm-hmm. is a sight to behold like high level play on this is actually kind of uh entrancing there is a a really good gdq tazbot run where mm-hmm. it is the robot playing uh highest difficulty to get the maximum possible score oh wow that is, uh, you know, with frame by frame inputs, and that's really fun to watch. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, um, yeah. High level play is really, and that's, you know, obviously that's part of the appeal of the genre, right? Uh-huh. Is that the skill ceiling is the the sky. Right. You know, if you can you can continually get better at this, and you know, this is something that really does test your skill at this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the score is kind of the next level for that. Right. Um, yeah, it, it it tests your skill, but it does something that I think turns both of us off, which is demands sustained perfection. Yes. Yeah. It is kind of a genre for that. Right. Um, but as it turns out, again, there, there are degrees. Yeah. Um, so the thing that makes people say that this game is a lot easier than other examples, um, you know, especially of this of this era and later uh, of bullet hell games is the fact that the polarity mechanics really subverts the way that you approach these. You know, you are choosing which projectiles you can just disregard, you know, which ones, you know, will not kill or you. Or actively run into. Right, exactly. Or try to, or try to seek out. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, like, in general, like, if you just picked a bog standard shoot 'em up you're looking for patterns of safe spaces. You're just kind of, like, uh, examining a the way... Snowflake <laughs> making the... Uh... <laughs> I, I know, Cole. This is this is your this is your bid for TPUSA yeah. membership, and you've snuck it into the Ikaruga episode. <laughs> no, but you There's know, coded language when you kept talking about how blacks and whites shouldn't mix when it comes <laughs> to bullets earlier, and like now, Jesus Christ! I sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's not what he means. By no, no. But like you know, m- most of the enemies, especially in bosses, um, are going to shoot bullets and patterns, and those patterns are going to interlock with particular phases, and you need to always kind of understand the rhythm basically the the rhythm of the way the space changes right um so that you can get yourself you know a not dead but also into a position to fire back and you know take one of these things out to again change the pattern this takes that and upends it because you are kind of like you know like you said you're you're kind of playing two games at once navigating back and forth between them yeah yeah it even just having to keep in mind which polarity you are at any given moment Mm -hmm. can be a big deal um one of the things that you can kind of do in the first stage is just pick a polarity and stick with it Mm -hmm. you know and play it like a regular shooter they quickly disavow you of that though the game does not want you to do that um you can do it for about most of the first level and be okay um but you do have to play with that switch um and this is you know again uh interesting Mm -hmm. um you know, it allows the game to be more aggressive with the the bullet hellaciousness because in, you know, a screen can literally have what on a glance would be no place to be. Right. You know, it's only because of this polarity that there's anywhere you can actually exist. Um, I'm glad you brought this up as, as a note uh, because I think that this is uh, important. Um, this is a 2D game, but it's rendered in polygonal 3D, uh, polygonal 3D, which it makes this trickier. Right. Uh, this, there's a couple of different things that I think make this game harder than it needs to be. Um, one of which is this, is that uh, hit and hurt boxes are kind of obscured by glows and particle effects and things like that. Things it does make the game very beautiful. Yeah, it's very pretty, but difficult to read uh, in a genre um, that is all about reading spaces. And one thing that is just a genre trope, 
that I found kind of like through researching this is that your hitbox is never your avatar. Nope. In this genre. <laughs> it is it's always, always a, a small tiny little box. orb. <laughs> yeah, it's a tiny orb inside your, your thing. So you are supposed to be clipping your character through bullets. Uh-huh. And like, with all due respect, fucking why? <laughs> like, what do you get from that other than it being a genre staple? Uh-huh. Like, maybe, you know, so the hit the hitbox has to be a certain size to make the game work. Mm-hmm. I get it. Maybe making it that small would make it a little bit harder to keep track of. But what you lose in just giving it a lot of, like wings that can't be hurt mm-hmm. is that is very difficult at a, at a read which these games are about like the joy of this, these games is about a quick read mm-hmm. like looking at a screen being like this is what this in this chaos looks like here's the order of that chaos in my mind i can mm-hmm. trick this to making sense um this makes it so much harder for me mm-hmm. to do if i need to constantly yeah. not only internalize where i'm at and what polarity i am yeah. And what wave of bolts are on the screen and which wave are coming and where I'm aimed uh, at when I'm shooting to try to get rid of these threats. But also that more than half of my avatar doesn't matter. Right. I think that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I hate that. <laughs> hate it, hate it, hate it. And I hate it in Jamestown too. Jamestown does it as well. And that is kind of how I like learned, like looking at these, you know, this mm-hmm. history of this genre. That's just a genre staple. Yeah. What a bad genre staple. What it does, it makes it feel like I'm walking around in shoes that are way too big. Yes. I'm daddy. <laughs> What's that? I'm, I'm daddy. Yeah. We're all daddy now. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, we're all daddy. That's what they said when they created the atomic bomb. <laughs> you mean the atomic all, mom? We're all we're daddies now. Mom. We're we're all we all have sons of a bitch now. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> no, so uh, you know, like, so there are people for whom playing these games is just seeing the matrix is just looking at the wireframe. And that, that complaint sounds crazy as somebody coming to this and thinking like, okay, like I need to swerve out of everything because if a single pixel of my ship touches a single pixel of that projectile, it causes you to move dumb. Like it causes yes. you to make bad decisions about the paths, the paths you're going to wend through these increase uh, through the, through these uh, patterns of bullets that get tighter and tighter as the game goes on. Like, yes, you can internalize that fact, but if you are reading it on a visual level that is not the wireframe and acting on instinct, instinct that will tell you that your, you know, your, your hitbox is the, is the entire appearance of your ship, you're going to continue making inelegant decisions that lead you to unnecessary deaths. And that, uh, that instinct that you have is one born of the entire concept of video games right. since time immemorial. <laughs> like, the, the, like, there aren't games where, like, I mean, it happens sometimes, but mm-hmm. that's something that is criticized. Yeah. When you have uh, sloppy hitboxes and, like, you know, you, even if, if it works in your favor, like, if there are parts of your character where if you get hit, you don't get hurt, mm-hmm. that's a bad thing mm-hmm. in a game. That's something that, like, most games strive to fix. Every, you know, as somebody who has played thousand you know you know a thousand video games in my my time you know who plays video games for a living who's played a lot of video games i'm very used to the exact opposite of this yes it feels contrarian to a degree it feels like when we are my high school computer first got max and they put the home key buttons on the middle fingers mm-hmm. why you know <laughs> just, like just because it's a oh it's it's different you know our, our tagline is different like it doesn't help to just do something different because you can mm-hmm. you know um, and this is, and it has those th- things where it's actively harmful. It's not just something you're used to. It's something where your actual knowledge will trick you yeah. and not in a fun subversive way mm-hmm. in a, I have to learn this. Like it's not a video game way. Mm-hmm. Hate it. Hate it. Hate <laughs> it. Hate it. <laughs> yeah. And it's a problem in Jamestown too. It just happens to be that it is part of a game that is otherwise incredibly difficult. 
Yes, like this game is very, very hard. I don't understand what people are saying when they say this is an easy example of the genre. Mm -hmm. um, I could not beat it without unlimited continues. Right. Um, I can get up to the end of the fourth level uh, on the uh, normal mode with maximum continues and lives. Mm. That's where I can get. Yeah. I um, cannot get to the fifth level. I can't get past the third. So and the third level is really, really hard. Yeah. And like by the time I mean, and it just, it gets to the end boss of the third level. What I was able to do, one of the things, and this is part of what's so frustrating about, uh, I guess like the, I guess the culture of these games is that these things are not considered bad. But one of the things that just feels every fiber in my being as somebody who plays video games feels as bad is that the ramp up is really uneven. Mm -hmm. Like the way that I got past the third level, which is very, very hard is by getting really good at the first two levels. Yep. That third level is a son of a, like is a monster. Mm -hmm. Like it's really hard. So I just gained enough resources to essentially just like four Kings, like <laughs> DPS race my way through, yeah. through the third level, you know, yeah. and I just happen to have enough lives. So when I get to the fourth level, I get the demoralizing sensation of just dying. Yep. Uh, you know, when that happens. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really hard. I think, um, you know, ordinarily, just out of the box, like if you were putting in a quarter, you can get hit three times. Uh, you die each time as your three lives. Yeah. Um, you can give yourself more quarters. You can give yourself more lives. Um, I think it's five and nine. Mm -hmm. so you can die 45 times in a, in a game. You, know, you can do the, the contra 49 lives code. <laughs> um, 45 lives code. Right. Uh, which sounds like a lot. It's not. No. Um, there is that wheel boss that <laughs> I die. I cannot get through that boss without dying more than half of those lives yeah and i can't i can't get through it at all so yeah he is the worst yeah um you know and it, just, it becomes not fun like when i played this what's interesting is this game has that training wheels mode which we keep saying which is unlimited continues it just you start where you stopped off yeah but, the, but um, then everything stops mattering it's like oh i just died 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 yeah, it's <laughs> super not fun like yeah. there is no uh it's a plateau like there's not an easy mode for this that lets you complete it that's still fun to play at all Mm -hmm. it's either you're choosing to play an arcade game with unlimited quarters because a lot of the issues with this game are to me feel it, it being based in a desire for quarters right um you're either playing this in a post-quarter economy mm -hmm. um where it's not fun or you cannot have enough quarters to make it fun right you know and even by that point even with the 45 quarters mode by the time i'm just dying over and over in the the wheel boss to barely squeak through it it may as well be yeah. unlimited quarters mode i'm still just not learning it i'm not getting to it the game the port that i played the pc port allows you to kind of start do a stage select mm -hmm. to practice yeah um which leads into another big issue with this game for me is that it is very memorization based yes the um excuse me the genre is memorization based but you don't i think that uh how optional that is is how it speaks to the quality of the game like i want to react mm -hmm. like i feel cool dodging bullets when i see a bullet i think oh shit Mm -hmm. And I move out of the side and I barely dodge it. Yeah. That's joy. If I just know the bullets coming and I know this pattern, you know, uh, two, five, four, three, two is coming through at this time. And I just know what to do. Mm -hmm. That's memorization, which is a different kind of like skill and everything. Yeah. And you still need to execute it, but it's not improvisational in a way that I associate with video games. Yeah. Like the, like the, the thing that it makes me think of is like an incredibly hard chart in guitar hero. Right. Mm -hmm. But with that, like, it may just be the way my mind works and the way yours does. Like, that also has the joy of music attached to it. Well, that that's 100% true. And yeah. there's intu intuition. So it's the joy of music. It's the intuition of music. So music makes sense, mm -hmm. right? Like, there, if a note comes down the, the, the pipe, the pike, 
the uh, there's a limited number of notes that will come next, mm -hmm. like just because of uh, consonants. Right. Um, there is also the element for me, and this isn't true for you for Guitar Hero, but I like playing Guitar Hero on hard. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like playing it on expert, and I definitely don't do like through the fire and flames on expert. Oh, fuck that. You know, which is what this game is. It like starts with uh, the green grass and the, you know, whatever that other hard song is. <laughs> green grass, high and tides. Then, yeah. gra green grass and high tides. And then the fifth level is through the fire and flames. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it starts at hard and then ends at the harder song on expert. Yeah. You know, so there's just no way to like learn it really. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Um, something that we should probably say is that the game does have a difficulty mode. Like if you're firing this up, um, you know, just cold, not knowing anything about it, it'll say like, oh, there's there, there's regular and easy. All easy does is turn off fire back. So like we said, when you when you shoot an enemy, if you kill it with uh, the same polarity that you are, it'll kind of unleash a little of projectiles that come out like a random pattern and then proceed down the screen. Um, that can either be a hazard or it can be a benefit, but it just will lead to more projectiles on the screen where killing enemies could be a thing that works against you. Turning but, that off doesn't actually improve no. or make the existing patterns that those ships were going to do as part of their attack any any looser. It I, Also, I found it uh, equally hard because a lot of times those little poofs are, are boons. Uh -huh. Like, I'm already that polarity. I want to go and absorb those bullets. You know, I'm trying to build up the super meter so I don't have to, so I can start paying attention to dodging and still kill things. Right. Um, so the, turning those off did not help me. Mm -hmm. um, that's not easy mode. Easy mode should have been easier patterns. Right. You couldn't do that because then it wouldn't be training. But somehow, I mean, like you could do that because Jamestown did it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, James, know, like, I mean, Jamestown like, does exactly that. It trains yeah, you. Yeah, the, the straw man that I was bringing up is that you couldn't do that because it wouldn't train you. <laughs> Jamestown does train you. Like, it is yeah. possible to do this genre and have it train you. Mm -hmm. um, this game doesn't want to train you. And again, I think that is rooted in the fact that it wants quarters. Yeah. You know, it wants you to die over and over and over and put in 50 60 $70 just mastering it. Yeah, you know, in terms and, of, of quarters. I mean, and honestly, if they put it in easy mode, that's not for the people who would buy this and be super crazy about it. Like that's that, true. Too. That, that wouldn't be for them. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, as we mentioned, um, this is uh, it's so this is actually it's very similar. Treasure does the, a lot of these. Mm -hmm. um, this is actually kind of a spiritual successor to Treasure's previous shooter, Radiant Silver Gun. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that game has. Uh, the bigger, the biggest difference, my understanding is that game actually tie, has power ups yeah. and ties those power ups to score. So it doesn't have that kind of duality of making score play and completion play uh, separate. Yeah, Radiant Silver Gun is more of a more of a standard shmup experience. Yes. Right. Um, yes. Uh, um, and the, the the polarity thing isn't exactly new. This is from a previous Treasure uh, platformer for the PlayStation that I never played, but I saw uh, ads for it all the time in magazines. Uh, Silhouette Mirage. There's a, I read that it was also from, or that uh, one of the inspiration, the polarity thing came from a game called, uh, and I saw this at a couple different sources, mm -hmm. um, called uh, Shinrei Jusa, Jusa Sushi. I, I'm not good at pronouncing Japanese. That's just, I'm going to do my best. Mm -hmm. uh, Teramaru or Psychic Killer Teramaru, mm -hmm. um, which has three polarities. Mm. Um, yeah. And that, so that's my, and I've, I, like I said, I saw that in many different uh, sources. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. so the, the, uh, I think, so they might've been, they might've had multiple inspirations as well. Mm -hmm. A really great resource for this and in general, and I wish this belonged to genres I liked, uh, is there's a website called Schmuppelations, mm. um, which does compiles interview stuff. It's really cool. Like you, I went, I read the one for this and for Jamestown and it's just like from a bunch of different interviews. Um, it looks like, 
uh, and it just kind of takes the questions and answers. Nice. And like, that's amazing if I loved this genre. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, really, I really want that for every other genre because yeah, it's a very cool resource. I'm happy that people who like the genre have this, though. This is neat. Shmuplations. Yeah. Yeah. Shmuplations is very cool. Um, and it is cool to see. One of the things that uh, I saw on that that I thought was uh, godsmacking to me was that the fan feedback on this, uh, the comment we received the most about Ikaruga was, this isn't an arcade game. And we should make it more thrilling and fast paced. <laughs> and I don't understand how those two statements relate to each other. Right. And I don't understand how this is not an arcade game. Yeah. Like, oh, the slow, thoughtful uh, Ikaruga. <laughs> you know, the, like the, the, it's the Final Fantasy tactics of, of shooting games, you know, like. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't really know what that is. Yeah. Um, something that might explain some of the peculiarities about this uh, might arise from its director. Uh, because it was mostly developed in, you know, during downtime um, by Hiroshi Iyuchi, who, looking at his kind of gameography, um, he, he, outside of Radiant Silvergun, which he was the director for, he mostly worked on background graphics um, yeah. up to this point. And that, I think, explains a little bit about the emphasis on visual <laughs> – I was about to say visual noise. That sounds good, like a value judgment. The emphasis on visual flair um, yes. in this. Yeah. He did. Um, he actually had in the interview. There's a bewildering thing, where he says uh, his wife Nakagawa did all the programming work, but wife is in quote, so I don't know what that means. It's like um, like like a work wife. I've heard of of like work wives. It's like a it could be a work. Yeah, group. it could be a work wife. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know what that is, but yeah, it is. Uh, it is made to be very stylish, and I think that it's probably worth before we get out of generalities to spend a little bit more time on the presentation of this game, uh -huh. because when I was complaining about this on Twitter, which is. <laughs> You know, as I want to do <laughs> when we when we do something, I, I get you well, know when when I keep reaching into that hornet's nest for honey, and I yes. tell you, Gary, there's no honey in that hornet's nest. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think hornet honey has to happen. It's probably a little spicier. <laughs> like I imagine, it's like regular honey, but a little kick of sriracha. You know, a little bit like, angrier. I, it's angry honey. <laughs> yeah, like angry angry dad's honey. Uh, <laughs> welcome to mom town. The, uh, the, uh, I, 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 you know, and it's it's just because when I originally Twitter was sold to me, they said it was microblogging, and I've never actually quite let that go, <laughs> and, and accepted what it's actually become. So I use it for that. Right. Um, and everything. A lot of times, I was surprised by how many people were with me. Like it wasn't like somebody. Yeah, you know, I didn't get stung. Mm -hmm. like I was expecting people to be like, you know, you're saying this because of like the bloop. I didn't get a lot of that. Like a lot of people also have a problem with this game, which I was very surprised. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people who like it, they're just like, you can't deny that it's beautiful and the music's great. And it's like, nope. You know, I absolutely cannot deny that. Like, right, it yeah. looks cool as hell. Uh -huh. Like, it, it looks so good. The presentation is great. I love, we'll talk about it, but I love the little, like, pre-coda, like, the forward sections of each level. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that it's so artfully presented Yeah. Uh, for a genre that does not require it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it, 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 it's not something that's expected in these. Like, usually it's like, I'm a ship. Hooray, <laughs> you know, and it's like, let's do it. I am a boat. Um, let's, let's go. This actually has the sense of poetics and visual uh, kind of beauty and grace mm -hmm. that is really attractive. It's laudable. Yeah. I, yeah, I cannot deny that. The same way that that purity of that system is laudable. Mm -hmm. The presentation of this, the music is really good. The boss designs look really cool. That first mm -hmm. boss is awesome looking. I love that. The um, night. Yeah. Yeah. That, it looks so cool. Like a lot of these bosses and things look awesome and sound mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. Um, the, the problem is I can only appreciate that when I watch that high level play. 100%. You can't pay <laughs> attention to any of it. Right. Um, like, like you will die the second you look at it. The, um, 
And it's also just that to me also speaks of its arcade roots. Uh-huh. Like this, that feels like something that was made to attract people from across an arcade. Yeah, to be an attractive nuisance. Yeah. And if I saw this in an arcade, I would be like, oh, that, I got to play that. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> you know, and I would put 75 cents in a dollar, a dollar 25 mm-hmm. and then be like, okay, well, I'm going to go play you know, the Simpsons arcade game or something now. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know, I'm, I'm just going to like, yeah, I'm just going to keep, I'm going to keep this, keep this in the corner of my eye, see if somebody's really kicking ass and then come and yeah, watch them. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be real fun. Um, and it is fun, like, again, watching this online. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was, as we mentioned, this was, uh, uh, or you alluded to a little bit, this was developed by the, the Sega Naomi uh, chipset. The, the, um, developed which, for the Sega Naomi. <laughs> Not by, it. it was a game that developed itself. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I am Naomi. I am um, dad now. <laughs> yeah, I am your dad now. Welcome to being son. Um, <laughs> you will get wife harm. Yeah. yeah you, you get, God, I love wife harm. So no, I'll the thought of a wife harm. Wife harm. No. Yeah. no. We're, we're referring to Marvel Madness, the movie. Yeah, I'll, I'll put that in the uh, the show notes. That's a that's a fave. Yeah, uh, something awful fave. I, I remember like I, like the there's still sometimes there's good front page uh-huh. stuff. Like I, I read everything Bob does, and right, right. I like uh, the video game article stuff quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's been a while since they've done anything like that. Yeah, like that uh, that that kind of animations and kind of goofiness stuff kind of disappeared from the something awful front page, and it's a bummer. Yeah. Um, but Continue yeah, so it's developed. Developed for the Naomi chipset, which made it easy to port to the Dreamcast. Yeah, that that uh, was just like a feature of like late '90s Sega was that like oh if you make if you make it for one you can do it for the other. Yes, and I think that part of the reason why this game has such a kind of a cult fervent following probably has to do with the fact that the two consoles it's most associated with are famous underdog consoles. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, Dreamcast and GameCube uh, mm-hmm. in 2003, and just like. Dreamcast and GameCube fans had something to hold on to. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But before it, like, got into Gen Pop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it was out for Dreamcast. It became this kind of cult favorite uh, here in America, uh, and it built up enough demand that they did do a localized port for GameCube uh, in 2003, and then it went to general population with uh, Xbox Live Arcade uh, and the PC version, which is a port of the XBLA. Um, and of course people have opinions about which, you know, port is the best one to play for score and what have you. Uh, we both play the version that's on steam. So, yeah, yeah. We did not look at the frame lag and, and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, this game got kind of, kind of got a little bit of a mixed reception in Japan, but, uh, is loved in America mm-hmm. here in the States. Right. Probably cause it's not hard enough. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, that, that genre is, you know, the bullet hell genre mm-hmm. is a, is a, is a Japanese game fixture. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, um, so let's do the setup. And before we do this, uh, I want to make a note. If you take the story of this game seriously, we're going to dunk on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it, it's it's very goofy. Yeah. Luckily, it is the most optional thing that's ever been optional. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is like a thousand car rental insurances combined. <laughs> yeah. Like it is. Yeah. Because it, yeah. it, it barely presents it. Right. You know. It's it's mostly in these kind of like paragraphs of super earnest text, um, yes. you know, in the kind of uh, intro card for each stage. It's there. It has a tearjerker page on TV tropes. I just uh, more more so than than uh, than dunking on it. I think we're just going to ignore it uh, because yeah. we'll, we'll be- mention it. But don't, if you were worried about us taking this this action game and focusing on the narrative, as is our our steez, uh-huh. uh, don't worry about it too much. <laughs> right. So. Because I can only care so much about levels named after the paths on the road to enlightenment. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, yeah, tell me a little bit about the road to enlightenment. Cool. Yeah. So um, this powerful person on uh, the island country of Harai 
uh, has discovered an artifact that made them all powerful uh, and kind of set up this uh, the, the the system where like these generations of rebels have tried and failed to unseat them. Um, and this final remaining rebel named Shinra is shot mm-hmm. down and lands in this uh, village of exiles named Ikaruga. Um, he's nursed back to health, and you know this is the, the 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 final kind of the final hurrah, the last chance, the hail mary, because they had developed a special craft named after the village, the Ikaruga, uh, that can switch polarity. Um, and this is their best their best shot at uh, you know taking down this overlord, this immortal overlord. Yeah, and it probably is their their uh, their best shot. Mm-hmm. They you you couldn't do this without the ship that could switch polarity, <laughs> right? Have you so, seen? Have you have you seen how many bullets there are? There are a lot of bullets. It's just people down on the ground just looking at the sky full of bullets all the time, and being like, "God, dude, we could probably get through half of those." <laughs> you know? Wait <laughs> just... a minute. So chapter one, uh, ideal, uh, is this. And again, they start with these little, like, I, whatever the opposite of a coda is, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times, which I really love. Like, yeah. you, you, do a, uh, you do a short shooting section. This starts with this kind of breather um, of you kind of leaving this, this uh, deploying column, um, fighting these spherical ships that show up a lot that look like football helmets to me, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of attacking straight lines. Yeah. And then uh, the game will, your, your character will... Control will be rested. You'll be you'll do a little like maneuver into a different biome, and you'll get this little uh, block of poetry. Yes, uh, from uh, the perspective of your character, that is very dramatic and like cool. I have chosen to live life with meaning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will not die until I live with meaning, and therefore I will never die. Yeah. Like things like that, like these kind of uh, philosophical, you know, kinds of shadows, uh, a little bit ahead of its time. You know, mm-hmm. like again, uh, these uh, these kind of meditations on difficulty. That this is you know it's it's a little bit of like that undertale you know determination yeah uh wanking or um you know getting over it stuff yeah, yeah. a little a little bit of that you know the, the game acknowledging it's going to be hard and trying to put you in a mindset of somebody who is uh enjoying that adversity yes yeah. um but this whole first stage you, you know you could be forgiven for thinking that this is part of a gentle slope that is going to take you up. Like, you know, it starts out by like, okay, here are all white enemies. Here are all black enemies. And then it starts mixing them up one or two, but that pretty much ends by the time you hit that, that little intro card. Yeah. 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 Um, and gets, it gets difficult mm-hmm. again. Um, as, as you're mostly, as you're going over a forest again, those beautiful backgrounds are part of it, but you won't see much right. of them. No, no. Uh, there are no um, intricate patterns right now. Really? You just get kind of like circle segments. Um, yes. and you know, you can either choose to polarity through them or if you are focusing on firing, uh, you know, finding the gaps in between them. And one of the big things that happens here that ends up being a problem that I have with later in the game, uh, is that there, or that, that doesn't happen here rather, is there are very few sections, uh, where bullets overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that was as big, quite a big as problem for you, yeah. uh, as it was for me, um, I think that if two bullets occupy the same space in this game, a big thing that would have made this uh, more playable for me would have been if one of them was neutralized. Yeah. Um, and make it favor the player. Like mm-hmm. if I'm white polarity and a, a black bullet hits a white bullet, the black mm-hmm. bullet disappears. Right. There's still plenty of black bullets on the screen for me to dodge, but the number of times that I pass through a bullet that I thought I could absorb mm-hmm. and just didn't yeah. uh, are huge. Yeah. 
in this game. And early on in the game, it doesn't really do that. Um, things tend to have a very binary focus. Like things come in from one side, they're one color. They come in from their side, they're another color. Right. Um, and that is a lot uh, more friendly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, this game has many bosses. Um, and generally, mm-hmm. uh, they start out fine, and like everything else, they get a little bit much. Um, I love these two gunships. Yeah. Um, that uh, the kind of like they hug the edge of the screen and they kind of move in a box pattern, pattern around it. They're in opposite colors, so like you end up picking one, and al- <laughs> you pick one, choose a color, and then almost use it as cover. Mm-hmm. As they kind of pass by, um, and they shoot out of their side as well, so you yeah. kind of have to maneuver around them foreshadowing tragic things it's going to do later <laughs> with with actually making the uh the environment something to dodge as well yeah uh which i which i really hate um and this for a minute i mean we call it a mini boss but really it's right before the last boss right right um you should get through those guys they're not that difficult they do replenish like after you kill one another one comes yeah it's a little weird so, I, so yeah that, that plays into another thing that i was never quite able to figure out is it kind of feels a little bit like with mini bosses uh, and this could be a remnant of being able to play for score that you will fight these things for a certain amount of time rather than until they're gone. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how bosses work. Definitely. Um, I eventually got to where I could kill all the bosses in the stages I could get through. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can end the stage without killing the boss. The boss just flies off. Right. You don't get the points. It's demoralizing as fuck. Yeah. Like, like, do not like it. I'm bored with you now. Yeah. Let's keep going, but I'm out of here. Um, I got places to be. Let's talk about this cool armored core that you fight at the end of this level. Yeah, this is great. So white glint comes out and it's like, no further. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Here I I brought my white glint and, uh, and black shield. Yeah. Um, comes out and he is, uh, kind of like a mech that is shaped like a knight. He has a white sword and a black shield, Mm -hmm. um, that both, uh, fire bullets of their respective colors in different patterns. Yeah. Um, and the thing that makes it tricky, you know, you're not just switching between those two things is he sends out these little options Mm -hmm. uh, that will also just kind of randomly, not randomly, they're they're in very set patterns, but sprinkle out um, bullets of their respective colors into the battlefield. And I think, like, this is early on, and again, there will be people who pull their hair out of this. I think this is as well-balanced as the game gets. Uh This boss is very fun. Going through this first stage enough times to do it without dying was fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Like I had a really good time doing that yeah, uh, and getting to that point. And yeah. it was very satisfying when I got to where I could, I just knew this boss and could kill him. Yeah. Um, you know? And the fact that, you know, like the, <laughs> the, this may just be me saying, oh, candy tastes good. But um, the fact that it's a knight uh, and it kind of, you know, the, the, the way that it plays and, and attacks you leans into that, uh, leans into the strength of the game, which is fighting these very impressive enemy sprites. You know, it is less just a, a scaffolding upon which death is hung. Well, which happens later. Yeah. Yeah. Like in contrast, because later you literally fight scaffolding, right? (laughs) Like there's a scaffolding boss fight. So (laughs) like it's from Mega Man 16 (laughs) scaffolding man. Like it's it's no good. Uh, Then the game gives you your C rating Yeah, (laughs) uh, and you move on to the next level trial. (laughs) Yeah. So, um i do like the way i just want to go go back to this um the, the the way that it shows you that bosses you know the same enemy can have different patterns because the the, the white sword does like a like a spray like like almost like a spread shot consistently and uh the the, the shield will put out the like the like the star um yeah. you know and then like in that final stage when it starts mixing those up it gives you just a little bit of a taste of like figuring out how to find the how to find the safe spot between those two patterns right yeah, the path with uh with that that matches your polarity. Yeah. There. Um so you get your C grade, you move on to chapter two trial where you're uh over a city. 
Yeah. I'm um, kind of finding more of those little football helmet things, mm-hmm. little mollusk looking uh, critters. And it also introduces these fighter jets, which kind of like have those, these little like sortie patterns. They, they, they move almost like a, like static. And they're, they're the first enemy that is actually uh, where contact damage is going to be a real issue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they will actually go down to, you know, in a shooter. Uh, one of the things that like this, this is going, is very obvious, but this made me notice was that um, both these games kind of bummed me out when they started introducing obstacles. Yeah. Um, a shooting game based a shooter like this based on uh, the bounding box of the play field always has an obstacle. Mm-hmm. Like you always have this limited uh, movement space. Yeah. And the game plays with that during the heated uh, wheel well boss, <laughs> but uh, in, in not to its detriment. Um, so since that you have that bounding box, it is usually to your advantage to be as far down the screen as possible because then you get more lead. Yeah. Um, an enemy pops in, you have more space between you and them and more time to act. These yeah. enemies try to attempt to subvert that. Yeah. Um, they're going to get down and occupy that space. So you can't do that. Yeah. And again, it still feels a little bit like a ramp up. Like it feels like a teachable moment to yeah. teach you not to be down there. Yeah. Well, it also, it also teaches you um, kind of the difference. Like even though, you know, don't feel like because you can switch polarity, you can choose what hurts you and what doesn't. That exactly. only applies to bullets. Yes. It does not apply to ships. Yeah. Um, yeah. These are uh, suicide bombers. We get that. That's the, uh, the end of that little uh, pre-coda. And <laughs> then we get our little spot of poetry uh, to begin chapter two uh, and move into the next area. Yes. Um, actually, yeah. There's the the beam beam things too. First, mm-hmm. at the end of that, these gigantic uh, satellites that shoot these beams, and this is the first enemy that does a thing that a couple enemies do, where they just shoot a huge beam mm-hmm. that hems you in, uh, and the trick is to switch that polarity and fill your super meter up instantly. <laughs> yeah, just uh, drink from the fire hose. Yeah, so you drink from the fire hose and then puke it all out. <laughs> um, the game eventually will start subverting that and making that not work. Right. But a lot of times when you see that super beam. Uh, and this is probably not the best way to play if you're playing for score, but if you're playing to get through it, that's what you want to do. Right. Is go drink from that fire hose and then vomit from that, uh, fire mouth. <laughs> so, Ugh. yeah. Yes. Um, so after the coda, you fly kind of into the ship factory, uh, which introduces this long segment where you're surrounded by kind of these circles of enemies that rotate and close in around you. Uh, like it's super almost like, hexagon. yeah, it's like super hexagon mixed with Galaga. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I'm still down with this. Like you don't have to change polarity really. Um, you just, you're just dodging. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually where it begins getting into the hardcore. I thought this was what happens in stage three and there's a little bit of in stage three, mm-hmm. but it, the, the hardcore background. Yes. Stuff, because you move through this factory. Yeah. Because you start getting into like the works, uh, uh you know, of, of, of this, uh, of, of this factory as blocks move around and you are trying very hard not to hit these, you know, the edges of these small, small little corridors that you're forced into. Um, and also like you're forced to like keep track of the timing of these gaps that open up. Otherwise you're going to be crushed. Yeah. Uh, we, we've, we've created our vents to shoot bullets Yeah, for, for some reason. Um, this is part of when that, that 3d, 2d, uh, thing becomes an issue Yeah, because there are these, uh, little dips that you have to move through that look like you'd fly over them, but you definitely won't. And they don't open until the very last minute. Um, so I die just running into those more times than I care to admit. Um, even though I, I learned my lesson, it just so intuitively looks like I'd fly over it. Like yeah. my conception of 3d space tells me I'm safe, yeah. uh, but I'm not right. Yeah. So this um, is like, this is the majority of the level is, yes. you know, first going through the timing based portions of this. Um, and then as it introduces, uh, you know, the projectiles, like, you know, the turrets and stuff that'll, yeah. you know, basically flood the lanes. And, th- and then they put them together. And that's mm-hmm. like, this is the, the real, like Aruga starts here part yes. to me. 
Yeah. Because these uh, these little turret things that kind of spin like a sprinkler, they spin around just kind of, you know, polluting the entire area with bullets. They start off with you fighting those things at the same time you're fighting the fire hose enemies mm-hmm. and then introduce the making your way through the timed blocks yeah. uh, sections. And like from a, a theming section, I like the idea that I'm in this place where ships are being built, right? Mm-hmm. Like you eventually get to a place where ships come out. You see, oh, this is where the enemies come from. That's really cool. Um, I hate this level. Yeah. Like I, I get through it. It's not, you know, I can get, I can get two level, like do one more level to completion. Mm-hmm. This level drives me crazy. Yeah. You know, um, they introduce again, they introduce that like keep calling them mid bosses, but it's not right. Cause they're right before the, the end boss, but they introduce a two, two fire hose enemies at once that are mm-hmm. very easy. Cause you just fire hose it up and then you get to the boss. Right. Uh, the yeah. boss, which has, I think it enters interesting gimmick. Um, yeah. it's like this large ship that has these two weak points at the front that are shielded. Every time yes. you shoot the shield, it draws it away. Yeah, it kind of pulls out, but it's on a timer. Or not a timer, but it will gradually move back in. Right. So it has a white side and a black side. However, both sides shoot to the other side. Mm-hmm. So it's not really something where you can uh, comfortably pick a side and pick a polarity. Right. Even within that section, you are doing... You end up having like a, a bounding box if you are inside the hurt zone where you can hurt this guy. Mm-hmm. You're within a shield. That shield is slowly closing, making that bounding box smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's maybe two inches by one inch. Yeah. Like it's so small. It'd be bigger um, if you turned your monitor on the side. You don't. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Twitter. The, um, <laughs> so you're, you're trying to kill these two sides. It just keeps getting smaller and smaller. And just kind of bullety nonsense is happening mm-hmm. in the background at the same time, you know? Yeah. Uh-oh, it's bullety out. <laughs> and it's just, you're just maneuvering in such a small place. This is where the the discrepancy between my sprite and my hitbox became maddening. Yeah. Because you have to operate. You can't operate on your sprite. No, no. Because if you operate on your sprite, you're going to pull out way quicker than you need to. Um, yes. And that might be the difference between killing this thing or having it fly away demoralizingly. Yeah. And you're, you're going to over dodge. Yeah. A lot. Um, level three, uh, Faith doubles down on that moving through bullshit stuff <laughs> like background things. Like it is it is back on its bullshit i forgot to report um and it's not, it seems like you're still in like a factory zone it's like you're in a big That's trench like, yeah, yeah you're, you're in a trench and this is something where the fact that the exterior of the screen the movement the auto scroll is also a bounding box became a problem right because you just kind of have to memorize when you can make your way past these moving like just shapes mm-hmm. like there are the, these uh these gigantic pillars that move around that shoot different colored lasers like from, from fire the, like from the side from the side and front yeah they do all sides of it so you have to constantly be switching which is fine mm-hmm. but you don't know you also can't touch them and you don't know what pattern they're going to move in like you mm-hmm. have to memorize it right um to make your way through that and i just i find memorization game based gameplay a real bummer mm-hmm. you know like, like we it's like whenever we talk about bad souls bosses right like we yeah, talk about yeah how they, they should uh, signal a move, and you should be able to at least intuit a little bit what they yeah. do. Yeah, because um, because reactive play, you know, for, for as much as you might say, oh, that's mashing or, you know, like you're not really engaging with the system, um, it's at least dramatic. You know, like you, I, I you want to fall back to it. <laughs> I think you're really engaging with the system when you do that. You're yeah. behaving, it's like you're role-playing. Uh-huh. I'm behaving as my character who has not, does not have unlimited lives, mm-hmm. has seen this thing, has not seen this thing, but says, oh, this guy's doing this, maybe he's going to land here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the reasons I haven't played it yet, and this is going to, people will get frustrated because they don't, people are very passionate about this game. One of the things uh, that puts me off Cuphead mm-hmm. when I've watched it is that it doesn't always have that. 
Right. Like there'll be a thing where it, like it always signals something, but it doesn't signal what's going to happen. Right. So there'll be a thing where like the dragon will wink and then that causes a fireball from off screen to come from a random angle and bounce in. Yeah. Once you know that a wink means that, but it doesn't mean the dragon winks and then kind of tilts his head and then he's going to follow through on that motion. Right. You know, I think that that kind of uh, being able to read a body language is different than memorization. Yeah. It's a subtle difference, but this game is is really a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this game doesn't agree with me. Like it right. wants you like it <laughs> thinks it's OK to just have you just memorize the things. Yeah. And that there's a Battletoads ass sequence in the middle of this level. <laughs> I'm glad that, that you made that comparison. <laughs> yeah. That, is like super fucking hateful. Yeah, and, and like like the like memorization the, base. The the, the the rods that extend out from the sides of the screen that Good create God. like what's that? Good God, bad rods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that create like wave patterns of like space that you have to you know na- na- navigate along. Um, yeah, and the like the like the sad thing is this could be a really this this is a better use of obstacles and space than like the blocks moving around the time pattern. I hate the last stage of, of, of Jamestown because it does that. Yeah. I can't, I can't, kind of, I can't beat bullshit. it either. Yeah. I can't beat the end boss of Jamestown. Like I like that game a lot, but I couldn't beat the end of it. Right. Right. I get to the boss uh, <laughs> with difficulty and then can't do it. Yeah. Um, um, but and, no, but, but this idea of like starting with the full width of the screen and then having it like slowly by turns reduce that and force you to navigate um, without kind of a full range of motion, like that's a good idea for like play in this in this particular thing. They just do it in a mem- in a memorization based hateful way. Yeah, you don't you, you're going too fast. You don't have enough lead time. The narrow the the areas you're going through are a little bit too small, and you are still dodging bullets yeah. during this, especially during the second part where the mini boss shows up, who is a I don't know a big pile of machinery <laughs> that um, <laughs> like shoots uh, is mixing fire hoses. He right. has like a more liquidy fire hose beam. Uh, you know, as opposed to solid fire hoses. Yeah. Uh, that like where they overlap a lot more. So he'll mix, uh, and he'll also shoot out of the same turret, alternating colors of bullet. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very precise in what you can dodge as you you know you're switching to black polarity because the the fire hose is coming. Um, but I have to dodge away from that because there is this uh this section of alternating black and white uh bullets. So there's like one section I can dodge through. It's actually not that bad if it wasn't for as this is happening. As you're moving, there will be uh, sections of wall, like mm-hmm. huge blocks that just come pretty quickly, implying the speed, like you're doing a chase yeah. uh, here or being chased, that, again, are just like, I just had to know this was coming to get through it. Yeah. You know, and while I'm juggling all this other stuff, mm-hmm. you know, it's too much. Like when you're doing the Battletoads tunnel race, like you're not also like doing a yo-yo, mm-hmm. keeping up a perfect yo-yo streak, <laughs> right. you know, like it is just, it's a lot. The, the notoriously difficult yo-yo <laughs> yeah, yeah well, but I mean, at the same time, right? Like, either yeah. of these things would be fine. It's just maintaining a bare level yeah, yeah. You know, of, of quality is, is my point. Mm-hmm. Um, and keeping a yo-yo streak going for a real long time. What's your, what's your best yo-yo, Cole? I've never counted. Well, like, let's, uh, let's get I, on it. Let's go. <laughs> but I just see, like, I, I, I came up in middle school. Yo-yos were, you know, a, bi- a big deal. Like, I feel <laughs> like, you know, back then I could just keep a yo-yo going however long I wanted. That's how, that's how we all felt. And then when you get older. Like, <laughs> yeah, then you lose your edge. You got yeah. the kids coming up from behind. It's <laughs> you know? an LCD sound system with that song <laughs> <Yeah>. about. <laughs> like, he loves yo-yos, dude. I'm very happy we both went that same direction. <laughs> um, the boss here is a less hateful preview of the, of, of the uh, end boss of four. 
Yeah, <laughs> this is this is the first circle boss, and don't think that this circle boss is okay. Right. Wagon wheel, wagon wheel one is bad too. Yes. He's on the surface. He's very simple. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's uh, got even how to describe it. It's, it's a concentric or it's a ring mm -hmm. of alternating uh, black and white nodes. That that's a, that's on the outer rim. Yeah. On the outer rim. And they fire, they fire in toward the center. While rotating to the left. Mm -hmm. Inside, uh, there is a uh, rotating to the right section of like hurt boxes like just kind of inanimate objects that will kill you. Mm -hmm. So you have to constantly be rotating within this larger circle while alternating between black and white, depending on which bullet is hitting you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can only fire in one direction. You can only fire up. Um, so trying to kill the, uh, the nodes, the little like pawn looking things. You have to wait for them uh, to be in front of you. Yes. Which means that if there, you have one or two of these left and you miss them, good, you know, you have to dodge for another however long like they eventually will reverse sections like it will reverse time as you kill enough of them and then also there'll be uh mega beams mm -hmm. they'll pop in the middle which are kind of a blessing because you can use them to charge your, your fire hose thing right right uh, and this is so all the the big problems i have with this there's a point where they come up this is where the time it takes me to switch polarity became an issue right because as you're rotating you have to do that very quickly and that little split second it takes to do i really wish that was instantaneous it would have saved me a lot of deaths here yeah yeah, but I never got I never got a good sense for how for, for, for how long that took, you know. Yeah. You know, it's 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 like half a second or a quarter of a second, but it's long enough to be significant. Mm -hmm. Especially in a game that, that this precise. Absolutely. And it, like it's doable, obviously. Like people can do it on mega mega hard crazy mm -hmm. mode and get really good scores at the same time. But it's let, just let's let's borrow a phrase from Bonfire Side Chat. Possible does not equal good. Yes. <laughs> um and that's that's the thing. And keep in mind, so that first level, which I think is generally pretty well balanced get you in it's an arcade game it wants you to play and have fun mm -hmm. chapter two i think is already still too hard but like it is doable mm -hmm. you know and has kind of an interesting boss that is fine chapter three is where i think this is not really okay and then it's all uphill or downhill depending on whether you're saying you know down as bad or if you're saying downhill is easy you know uphill yeah. is hard to do yeah from here uh this takes us to chapter four uh reality now i could like we're, we're beyond the point where i could play without the training wheels on. Um, yeah. This is an interesting stage structurally because it is not predicated completely on forward movement. Like you are, mm -hmm. you know, up in the sky and you're almost entirely within the confines <laughs> of this huge satellite that, uh, that kind of like rotates around you. Yeah. You're kind of, you know, you'd be doing a very cool looking maneuver if you saw this in 3d space. Yes. Um, this is really hard. I die very early uh, in stage four. Mm -hmm. I can get, up to the boss uh, with, you know, three or four lives left. Right. But I, it, this will drain a lot of lives for me getting there. Um, overlapping bullets are the norm uh, now. Yeah. Um, they're going to be a, a thing. Kind of consistently, it starts off with that kind of beginning coda section where there are these fighter ships that kind of do strafing runs, huge, you know, shooting huge sprays of bullets at you um, yeah. and uh, passing each other up. So there just be very, very short times where you're not on an overlapping bullet. Yeah. Um, and this introduces a pattern that I'm calling the flower, which is uh, it <laughs> wheel two. Yeah. Heat wheel two. It'll, you know, it, it, it you, have, you have two things uh, that are shooting out kind of opposite colors, but they kind of form these little like, uh, like, you know, a, as each arc, you know, intersects at these two different points, it looks like uh, like flower petals rotating out yes. from around it. Um, and that introduces like a little bit of a, 
you know, like a syncopated rhythm if you're trying to phase your way through it, right? Yeah. Yeah, these two, you know, two kind of like, they look a little bit, it's like a sprinkler. Yeah. And it moves around. While this is happening, um, <laughs> the camera is kind of making long, slow, languid movements around that are arbitrary and dumb. Yep. Uh, <laughs> there's no reason for like, what is the camera in this? It doesn't exist. Why would my ship be doing that? Uh, no reason, of course. It's just video games. Yeah. Um, and those little football helmets are everywhere uh, in both rings. So there's like kind of two concentric rings you can move through. The football helmet is football helmets are moving through them. And then the little fighter jet guys yeah. are moving through them. Um, this is very hard. Yeah. Uh, um, very, very, very hard. Yeah. Especially when the, you know, the, the, the movement of the stage places you outside um, of the, uh, you know, like, like in the outer, uh, the outer lane of the concentric circle. And you're also dealing with um, the gaps in the wall letting out like bursts of that's of the, uh, of the flowers that are coming after you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you can use those as kind of shields, which is kind of cool um, as a thing, but that little bit of moment of coolness, like it's all happening. Part of this just being really, really difficult is also you have to, you're only having a second to conceive of strategy and a second to enjoy it. Yeah. So it, it's a real limited pleasure. Like when I got behind the shield, I was like, Oh cool. Like now I can concentrate on this. By the time I got there, the shield had already passed because of the rotation of the, the flower and the camera yeah. moving through. Um, after you eventually, uh, after pretty much enough time has passed, really, it feels like, um, the pedal, those kind of walls dissolve, and the inside does this amazing, like, I just, like two, uh, proton beams, you know, Ghostbusters <laughs> proton beams, of rotating in opposite directions, like yeah. two spirograph patterns on top of each other. Yeah. Uh, outside, just, just give me a goddamn break. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> Um, ugh. yeah, um, this boss, this boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't understand how it's possible. Like in watching the high level play, it was very difficult for me to even, to even parse like what human motions would translate into the action that I saw. Yeah. They should do like, I would like watch us, uh, uh, not even necessarily a speed run or run of this where they also show the hands. Mm-hmm. You know where they do those things? You like, can see like, kind of what's oh, yeah. Happening. Show the hands or also show like which input is being put in on the screen. Yeah. 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 Just so I can see exactly what's what's quick about this. Yeah. Um, narratively, quote unquote, like you do get the sense that you are taking out the satellite because you're kind of moving from piece to piece, dissecting it. Yes. You know, and that's cool-ish uh -huh. uh, as, as a thing. But I just, this this boss is just, it is truly a bullet hell. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, like... And again, it's another one of these concentric hate rings. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the, the game likes this, uh, this kind of thing. Um, it's largely shielded. You know, it's very hard to find times you can damage it. Mm -hmm. um, um, and even within a single beam, you know, that makes up the spokes on the wagon wheel, it is striped like a barber pole. Yeah. It's switching colors within a beam, which was introduced last level, but is not something that is done very often. Right. So the way that I get through this with baby continues is I just put myself in a hurt box and hurt him while I'm invincible. Yep. Uh, Which is not then, fun. Like, that's not yeah, a satisfying way to play this. Yeah, it's, you're throwing on the game genie on this bad boy. Like, <laughs> not fun. Yeah. Um, and it even has ways to get around that because eventually, um, once you get into the kind of the the center of this thing, this just machine, right? Like this circular machine. Right. It will start shooting out fire hose beams from there. And one of the things we didn't talk about with fire hose beams is they also push you. So, like, you're trying to stay inside near this hurt box, but being pushed out at the same time. Um, miserable, mm -hmm. Miser miserable sack of shit. Like <laughs> so mad, like the 
beating my head up against this thing. Yeah. Um, you know, any given individual run of this does not take that long. I guess it should be, you know, pointed out like a play of this, you know, a regular long play of this that I watched like to refresh my memory is about 25 minutes. Right. And that's with deaths, mm-hmm. you know? So like you, you can go through this game a bunch of times uh, without too much time investment. It's just how much patience and how much fun you're having mm-hmm. as a thing. Um, after you take this out, you've taken out the satellite, which has some kind of meaning, which moves you to a metempsychosis. Metempsychosis. Yes. What does that mean? You know, metempsychosis. Is? I don't know. Do you know who Madam Psychosis is? <laughs> My dom? <laughs> yeah, the the, uh, the the Batman villain. Um, uh, let's see here. The supposed transmigration at death of the soul of a human being or animal into a new body of the same or a different species. So, okay. like, the there's reincarnation, but there's also this, I think. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So this is introducing the enemy can now... Uh, phase things like phase in and out they're ghost ships <laughs> oh my out. god a ghost, <laughs> a ghost ship um and the the enemies i'm, I'm watching this playthrough because i never actually played this outside of uh you know training wheels mode mm-hmm. um the enemies are doing all these flourishes when they pop out uh-huh. these mechs that come out, they're kind of dancing a little <laughs> bit it's like okay you know, okay Ikaruga. um most of this is a boss yeah most of the stage you have to get through this pretty tough like section in the beginning of ghost ship Mm-hmm. Uh, creatures and then you finally fight something that looks kind of like weird and organic and like a little bit more visually the game is visually interesting before this but something that looks a little different like not necessarily of a piece right right um, it's the this, uh this, it's the break yeah. yeah yes um and this boss uh you know starts off kind of just shooting bullets um and as it uh as it does it also has this this kind of grid of overlapping black and white lasers mm-hmm. so you're you're navigating both those things at once the grid and also the bullets yes um and as the enemies take on a more organic aspect to them and of course we have you know xenomorph heads and stuff um mm-hmm. you know the, the the patterns that they put out end up being a little bit more organic and less ordered as well uh, more mm-hmm. noisy right like you get what appears to be a random spray i'm sure there's some kind of order to it um, that can mm-hmm. that, that can be read, but it definitely looks like oh, all reason has has departed. Yes, yeah. Um, eventually, it literally becomes looks like scribbles. Mm-hmm. Like it starts looking like black and white, like kind of crayon drawings, just kind of being put through as they they introduce these little uh, little grabbers and <laughs> these trails behind them. Um, and the bullet part never lets up. Right during this. So while all this is describing, it sounds like oh, I can imagine. Getting through that's a little bit like, uh, you know, Tron, like you avoid the tails and, oh, I would just switch polarity to move through it. <laughs> no, like you, you wouldn't because there's like a billion bullets at the same time. Yeah. And we're uh, dealing with like micro movements at this yes. point. Like, you know, the like the, the, the safe space is probably about, let's say, two or three, uh, you know, not tumble widths, but, you know, your your hurt box widths. And yes. it is, is moving smaller rapidly. than yeah. your than your sprite. Right. Yeah. You know, I just want to point out that like. You know, it's not like there are times where there's not a place for your ship to fit. Right. You know. <laughs> so it is two or three Tomba's chest cavities. Yes. Um, and moving rapidly. Right. Yes. Um, this switches. Eventually, the enemy turns into this, like, gigantic ovum demon thing uh, that is kind of hard to describe. And this whole bit is really playing into this is a dodging game rather than a shooting game because right. it shoots out these beams that instantly fill up your, your megameter. Mm-hmm. Um, you just need to be dodging and firing your megameter as soon as it fills up, right. which will continue to happen. The things you're dodging 
uh, at this point. It is just uh, like everybody who's if you're listening to this and you're like, this is not for me. Um, you're right. You know, if, if you if, if you hear this and you think it's not for you, you're probably right. I guess mm-hmm. my point. Um, watch it, though. Yeah, watch it. Because please. it's 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 a sight to behold that anyone can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that this this emboss, I didn't actually play him on normal mode in watching him. It looks really crazy. It's hard for me to believe it's that much harder than Wonder Wheel 3. Uh-huh. You know, which is just the worst. It feels dramatic. It feels like there's an escalation to it. Um, yes. you know, because this pattern does progressively get tighter as you go on, like, you know, watching it, I was like holding my breath saying like, this is getting like, it starts out hairy, but it gets hairier and hairier. Uh, there's yeah. a drama to it that is, that is easy to appreciate when you are not, uh, being, de- when it is not being demanded of you that you, uh, survive it. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, after that, that thing explodes, you actually do this kind of ending, like almost it feels like a Metroid escape sequence almost. Yeah as its core kind of moves back and forth and you get out of this exploding sci-fi, whatever you're in, um, that is a lot more of the same, like a lot more of those kind of beams, beams and bullets, beams and bullets, Mm -hmm. uh, moving at alternating speeds and in alternating patterns. Yeah. Um, leading to a climax where the Ikaruga kind of gets up toward the crystalline core of the boss, um, and explodes, you know, taking it with him basically. Yes. Yep. Um, and that's thus all of the uh, the kind of bits of enlightenment and, and immortality and stuff. Yeah. You know, leading up to the sacrifice as far as the, the story goes. Yeah. yeah. Um, as, you know, the camera basically goes below the sci-fi and starts following these uh, swallows flying away over a mountainous landscape. Uh, yeah. There's a there's a language aspect to that. I think Ikaruga refers to like modeled, like the idea of like black and white together um, and is also a descriptor that can be applied to swallows. Like this is, you know, poetic parody between the two of them. It's a match. That makes cut. sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Um, as opposed to poetic parody, like <laughs> come Wadsworth. <laughs> Jesus. That's right. Yeah. There we are. Um, yeah. And then that ends up being an Ikaruga, a game that I never want to play again in my whole life. Yeah. I was really looking forward to it. Like I was happy that it won the poll. I was like, okay, like this is a game that people seem to really enjoy. Um, I didn't know exactly how deep the deep end was for this. Me too. Yeah. And and there's part of, you know, people who like this game who think that it's bad that we don't like it. Um, part of it definitely comes from that expectation thing, right? Because in a lot of ways, this is the uh, ambassador for the genre. Uh-huh. Like this was the, this is the most famous one. This is the one that everyone knows. I wish that weren't true. I feel like that does a disservice to this genre to mm-hmm. have your most famous one have a combination of things that are, uh, just skill-based difficulty tropes. Yeah. You know, like this is just very hard and things that I can't, the only reason why I'm I'm not just saying like, oh, this is a bad design decision is because this game is so well-liked. Yeah. Like it can't be a bad design decision because everyone loves this game and tons of people I respect really mm-hmm. like it and it's really highly rated. Yeah. However, it doesn't do a good job of teaching you how to play it and it doesn't have that hitbox thing and mm-hmm. it has overlapping bullets all the time where you can move. You can be white polarity, move into a white bullet, and because a sliver of a black bullet is behind it, you just blow up, mm-hmm. and you don't know why you're blowing up. Like it has bad feedback. It has a lot of things that I think are just bad for video games. Yeah, you know, video games just don't do that. Um, if this wasn't a game that is so lauded, I wouldn't stop twice from just being like, "Yeah, this is a piece of shit." <laughs> you know, like it's it's beautiful. It has great presentation, but I don't think it's very good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's every instinct of me playing it is saying this is not a good game. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe if I spend years 
easing myself into the genre and come back to it, I would find cool things to appreciate about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like maybe it comes alive once you start doing that scoring system. Maybe once you just know it a little bit better, like there's fun to be had. It's just very hard for me to think this should be the first step for anyone. Yeah. You know? um, and, you know, who knows? It might be, <laughs> it might have never been communicated that this would be the first step for anybody. And we went into it like, oh, yeah, let's just let, let, <laughs> I, I, you know, I want to watch some, something that's not just like a summer blockbuster. Let me go watch the Tree of Life. Uh, dog. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, 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 no. Back here, back here. Nobody, nobody told us that, but like that comparison, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's watchable? The Godfather. You know what's watchable? (laughs) Citizen Kane. You know what's watchable? Like all those movies that are considered like classics of those respective genres. Right. Right. Are really watchable. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's a, there's a, an, a considerations for ease of use and kind of, uh, accessibility yeah made in any kind of genre or uh medium ambassador yeah and when you say uh you know maybe we shouldn't have gotten into this as an ambassador no one told us that right it's however just, by reputation say, like, <laughs> yeah by reputation like it is the bullet hell shooter that most people have heard about mm-hmm. you know and i don't know what confluence of factors is responsible for that i don't know if it's the uh, fact i mean that, exclusivity the fact that yeah, you know for, for for the longest time it wasn't here and then it was yep Yep. And uh, a little bit of that, like, badge of honor Mm -hmm. feeling, I'm sure. Like, people who like this are probably very proud of liking it. Right. And that gets into something ugly that, you know, we ran into being Souls guys. And this is the thing about video games in general, which is, you know, there's an element of, you know, uh, enjoying games. Or there's, you know, a kind of person or, you know, a tendency that people can fall to. I'm trying not to cast judgments on individuals, even though I think this is a bad habit. Where the fact that something is exclusory... Um, yeah. or exclusive is a feather in its cap. Yes. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, that is my, you know, outsider's view on a lot of the genre. I was thinking that, you know, going into this, it would be, it, you know, it, it, it wouldn't fall to that just because it isn't like something that is designed explicitly to be massacre, you know, yeah. but like, like all the things we throw off, you know, we, we throw out offhandedly as being the, you know, explicitly hateful, you know hateful parts of the genre you know i'm not going to walk into a cave shooter and say yep thumbs up um yeah. I, ex- I expected this being more mainstream to be to be a little bit more inviting um and Me instead too. i walked into somebody's clubhouse and and, yeah. and didn't and and didn't nail the secret handshake that's what that's what it feels like a lot yeah. um when that when you said you didn't want to call it individuals i made a joke and said yeah phil uh, just trying to pull a random name but i just want to make sure any of the phils that we know because <laughs> right. i was calling them out because i don't think that's true of them i just no. wanted to make a joke about yeah. you calling out an individual yeah uh, for that um we're gonna move on uh to here to jamestown which we'll st- we're still going to talk about ikaruga during it because i think there's a lot of value in contrasting yes um, a lot of things that are very elegant and uh you know player uh forward that jamestown does reflect on ikaruga So now on to side B, where we're talking about Jamestown, The Legend of the Lost Colony, which is a vertical shoot-em-up developed and published by Final Form Games for the PC in 2011. Yeah, and it's their only game. Yeah. I was really surprised by that. I was like, oh, you know, when I first started this, I was getting this confused with the Flam Beer game. I love browsers. Yeah. Uh, and then I was expecting, I was like, oh, these guys have to have. Yeah, they're good. Oh, it's like different. <laughs> yeah, like they, and they haven't yet. Right. Um, it's like, it's, know, it's three people. They financed it with debt. Like the basically, yeah. this is like a a credit card game almost. Yeah, it's it's a it's a pre pre Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, uh, kind of uh, 
indie game. Um, and kind of part of that, like, first wave, it's a little bit later than that, but I remember I, maybe this is the second wave of those, like, big indie hits. Mm-hmm. You know, after the first wave with, like, your braids and stuff, this is, the, like, a second wave indie hit. Um, I've had this game for a very long time. Me too. Bounced, bounced off it uh, five years ago or so. I wasn't interested because I didn't really want to play a shoot-em-up, so yeah, I ignored I didn't, it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I was just like, oh, like, this... You know, I don't really like bullet hell games um, mm-hmm. and played it, but the game does a lot to uh, ease you in. Yeah. Um, and that should be the thesis for this, especially in comparison. Like, if you are curious about this genre, then Jamestown is a very good entry point. Yeah. Um, that isn't, um, you know, easy like, a you know, like a like a late 80s, uh, you know, arcade version of this would be. Or a Sunday morning. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but instead, you know, starts you out at a very manageable pace and then ramps up. And honestly, like by the end of this, I was doing stuff I never expected I'd be able to do. One thousand percent. I felt like uh, you know, a great amount of personal growth in my ability to play these games. Uh, yeah, fully on Which the was... back of the way that Jamestown manages its difficulty and you know pulls me along. And that is something that, in talking to people who are fans of this genre, that is a draw. Yeah, for the genre is that feeling of personal gro- growth. Why is it not considered a good like why? Are the games that why is it not considered mandatory for a game to encourage that thing that is part of the the joy of the the genre? Yeah. You know, I mean, it just like it just feels like that should be that's a thing in video games in general. Like video yeah. games teach you how to play them, be it clunkily through text and manuals or elegantly like Shovel Knight. Um, but it's just like the idea of like I I want that feeling, mm-hmm. you know, and just at you know ambassadors of this genre. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that ugly exclusivity that we're talking about where like. You know, I don't know if people who like bullet hell shit on this game. I hear about it a lot less. Yeah. And my the darkest reason why that could be, and I don't know this to be the case, is because it is too easy. It's a stupid and baby game. It's a stupid baby game. Um, but when why wouldn't you want to share that feeling? Like if mm-hmm. that's something you like about the, the genre, which I understand, like feeling I had the same experience. By the end of my time with this, I felt better at it and like I'd gained a skill. I still couldn't, can't be the boss, so I'm a baby. But like the, the so, so goo goo gaga, when when I change my diaper, take the poopy poopy out of my butthole and put it in the diaper, and then take my pee pee and put it in the toilet. I'm a baby, baby, baby. So I, I get it. I'm a baby. I think I think you sold you sold past the clothes on that bit, man. You got into way too much detail, and now it's a fetish. I, I'm a baby. I get it. Okay. At the same time, though, that if that's something you love about the genre, why wouldn't you make games that give that to other people i mean I, 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 honestly there 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 probably is a value where like there are games that are meant to get you up to speed and any game that makes a nod toward like starting from zero or starting you know closer to zero than like an ikaruga does um that is wasted time for somebody who has already achieved you know yes. a certain level of uh expertise with this right they don't want us to start that but that just it speaks to such a different way reason to play games to me yeah you know i'm never going to resent an undead, undead parish or an undead bird mm-hmm. you know like me loving the later more challenging stuff in dark souls doesn't make me dislike the easier ramp up stuff right makes me appreciate it more because I, i'm using the skills that it taught me and then looking back and wonder on how it taught me them yep and that's a great feeling of mm-hmm. me in relation to video games and me in relation to art yeah you know you and know. this game is a great <laughs> example of that this is one of for things we've done for the show, I think this is one of the best learning curves, period. Yeah. Like, not just shooter up learning curves or bullet hell learning curves. Like, one of the best learning curves we've had. Yeah. 
uh, and I consequently end up really loving this game. And it achieves it by doing something that otherwise we criticize games for doing. Totally. Which, like, I, which I just makes I was us hate. Yeah. Like, when, you know, when it first popped up, I was like, no, fuck. God damn it. <laughs> you were supposed to be the chosen one. <laughs> But uh, it, yeah, it did not turn out to be, it turned out to be actually be very smart. Right. Uh, the decision it makes. So uh, let's get into it. Like, so this is a, uh, it's got this kind of, it's a vertical shooter. It's got this 16 bit kind of pixel art aesthetic uh, that is pretty and detailed and beautiful. Like, yes. I think this is as beautiful in Ikaru, as Ikaruga in a different way. Yes. Um, well, the benefit of, you know, since it is a pixel art aesthetic, you don't have that visual noise glow problem. Um, yeah. This feels infinitely, infinitely more readable. Yes, uh, even though me. your hitbox is still your pilot, not yeah, your wings. Yeah, yeah. But like, they, uh, <laughs> I don't know, like weirdly, the fact that when you're picking your ship, it shows you a diagram. I say like, hey, this, like like, this is this is your kill spot. Like, yep. for you know, for, for for some reason that made it easier to uh, to understand. Would I have preferred that your kill spot match your thing? Yes. Yeah. But this this does this is a good move. Yeah. You know, even just to point out that there's going to be a difference, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is an, a nod towards accessibility that like hey, maybe you've never played this game and it would be inconceivable to you that there's a difference there. Mm -hmm. There is, here's what it is. But here, let's take a moment and then that way we don't have to make a big deal out of it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Uh, really, really good thing. Um, this game also has a story. Um, the story is really creative, but I found myself having a hard time getting into the details of it. Yeah. I don't know what you what your thoughts were on it, but I didn't care too much about it. I thought it was really cool world building and flavor, and I didn't actually care about the narrative very much. I mean, it's just like alternate horse uh, historical fiction. Every character is... Alternate horse story? <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> yep, it, it, it is a world where in the 1700s, we launched all of the horses to Mars. <laughs> oh my god. I, into, into horse Mars. <laughs> no. John Trotter? Uh, John Trotter of Mars? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Jesus! Right, well, let me take the shit out of my mouth and try that again. Uh, <laughs> it's peanut butter cold. It's how you, how your chili horses talk. Uh, <laughs> it's. I mean, it's like it, it's kind of basic alternate history stuff, uh, yeah. where every character is you know somebody from actual colonial history, but it's just you know they're on Mars now. Like it's fine. It's so unintrusive, and and you know what it does is motivate different backgrounds and motivate why yes. you're fighting different things. It has a, a much greater aesthetic as, uh, impact than narrative aspect. Yeah. Like it gives you a reason to have this kind of cool offbeat design, mm -hmm. you know, as one of the things in Ikruga, as much as I'm not shitting on the aesthetics of the game, I like the aesthetics of the game, but where like we'd fight things of like, oh, this is a machine. Yeah. You know, I don't know what, what it is other than just a bunch of technology. Yeah. Um, this doesn't have that genericism yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, to, to actually say what this is uh this takes place in an alternate history uh where in the 17th century instead of colonizing america you know the americas and the the, the new world we instead colonized mars yes. um and it has kind of a steampunk or steam space or space hams kind of aesthetic to it yes uh as we call them in space utica <laughs> yeah um the uh yeah the uh yeah. So, and it's specifically about the um, the Jamestown colony. That's why it's called that, and deals with Roanoke. Yeah, uh, which so was uh, the colony the, that disappeared. One of the best uh, stories. I love that so yeah, much. Yeah, what, what, what a really great real world mystery. Yeah, <laughs> you play as Sir Walter Raleigh, who in you know real life was executed for plotting to kill the king. Um, mm -hmm. Instead, he escapes his execution in the Tower of London and sets off to the New World. The New World being Mars. Uh, to take up residence in Jamestown and solve the mystery of the disappearance of Roanoke to try and clear his name. Yes. Um, 
there uh, there are a couple like little gameplay quirks to this. Um, but the nice thing is, opposed to Ikaruga, they're not elemental mm-hmm. to the game. Um, they're a little bit more traditional, and they intersect with score play more than anything else. Right. Um, um, the basic play is pretty unadorned. Yes. Yeah, you can play this like it is all opt-in. Mm-hmm. So unlike uh, switching polarity, you can ignore uh, the vaunt and the different kind of extra things you have and kind of play this as a straight up shooter. It's not recommended, but you can. Yeah, vaunt is very helpful. <laughs> yeah, like it's helpful and it plays into the score system in a really interesting way, um, which you're going to, you know, if you're that kind of player, that's what you want to do. Yeah. So let's talk about what vaunt is. As you shoot enemies, they drop gold, uh, which is manifested as like gears. Yeah, Yeah. gold, golden gears and nuts and bolts and stuff like that. As you collect these, you know, they fall, they fall downward on the screen um, or in real space, they fly horizontally. Yes. (laughs) They fly fly parallel to the curvature of the earth. Yeah. (laughs) Never, well, never dropping. Yeah. (laughs) They go into orbit. Yeah. Essentially. (laughs) Right. Um, But uh, as you collect these, you fill up your vaunt meter, uh, which Mm -hmm. is your kind of your, your, your special attack, which actually um, puts a shield around you that shrinks over time and also increases your, your firing rate and gives you a score multiplayer multiplier. Yes. And it also will absorb enemy bullets, which give you points. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can continue, uh, you also get a damage boost during this. Yep. So if you continue to collect those things, your vaunt meter will continue to go up. And the high score method for this game is continue. You can go through a level keeping vaunt up the entire level. Right. Um, watching somebody do that is very impressive. Um, it's mostly just like perfect play, mm-hmm. you know, and you'd think like, Hey, when you have vaunt up, you're invincible to, to bullets and stuff. Like, doesn't that make it easy? Nope. It obstacles. really doesn't. <laughs> yeah. There's obstacles. There's things to avoid. It is a cool little play thing. So it operates it, you know, uh, multiple functions, right? Like mm-hmm. if you are just regular, you know, playing the game for survival, like you and I did, um, it's nice to have an invincibility meter. Yeah, to have to have uh, an oh shit button, right? Yeah, you press the oh shit button. Operates the same uh, similarly to a, a power bomb or a smart bomb mm-hmm. um, in more traditional shooters, but is a little bit more interesting because it plays into both functions. Yes. Um, oh. And that was a developer thing specifically. They talked about how they wanted to do, you know, initially they had a smart bomb and they thought, a lot of scoring systems are based on smart bombs and it ends up being really bland. It disincentivizes you from using them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of traditional shooters, it's like if you use the smart bomb, um, you get a score like uh, divider, you know, like a, a score penalty. Yeah. Um, this is they wanted to make a system like that, except making it actually play into skilled and unskilled players alike. Yes. And, or advanced and unadvanced. Yeah. And, and even, you know, if you're just playing this, uh, you know, on in a non-advanced way, just for survival, what this does is, um, A, it's constantly reminding you when your uh, vaunt meter is full. Like, mm-hmm. they, like, the interface for that is really good. It's just, like, there's text over your over your guy, which is where you should be looking anyway. Um, mm-hmm. It'll say, like, hey, vaunt. It turns an, oh, shit, I'm about to die moment into um, <laughs> it completely swings things around to where you can be aggressive and you are incentivized to be aggressive because as you kill enemies, you get the resources that you need to keep that going. Yes. Yeah. So it's an instant. Let's cool. turn. Let's turn the tides button. One thing I also like about this game is that as you go through, you get uh, money, which you can use to unlock different modes and ships mm-hmm. and stuff. And the ships play really differently. They do. <laughs> um, oh. Which I, I end up having. You know, I I thought I was gonna a lot of time in this situation. I end up with the default ship. Yeah. Uh, which I thought I was gonna do, but I end up liking one of the later ships more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was cool. Yeah. You know, I like uh, unlocking things. I like that feeling of progress. I like having a variety. Yeah. Of gameplay. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about the ships. Let's do that. Um, and it's not like you're unlocking better ships that, you know, make you just more suited for the challenges ahead. Like they're, they're specialized. And your first yes. one ends up being very good. Like your yeah. first one is actually like really overpowered. 
uh, the beam ship, which you start with, um, has a spread shot like right out the gate. Um, mm-hmm. So you don't have to be very precise with it. Um, and every ship has a has an alternate fire um, in addition to having your vaunt. And you can use that at any, at any time. It's not like something you have to save up. On the beam ship, like uh, you, you do your own super beam. You do your own fire hose. Yes. Um, so think about having that spread shot as your default ship, what that communicates to the player as far as easing them into this genre, right? Mm-hmm. Like if one of the things that bullet hell games do is they want to take the player who has been playing Gradius... Uh, you know, or that's an ancient reference, but like, you know, mid, mid-tier mid shooters and say, hey, as opposed to being about hunt seeking, you have to be about dodging, mm-hmm. giving you a spread shot where you're just likely to hit things on screen as long as you're holding down the fire button mm-hmm. really does a great job of communicating to the player. Hey, dodge, idiot. Like <laughs> you just need to be moving around because yeah. you're going to hit stuff. It's going to take care of itself. Mm-hmm. That's great. You know, yeah. and you switch that firehouse fire hose beam. What you give up is that uh, mobility because right. you have to be aiming it. You know, so there's still a little bit of that risk reward. It just kind of teaches you how to play with the the ship design. Yeah. You know, really, really impressive. Um, love it. Uh, the second ship, which I didn't get a lot of use out of, um, the gunner ship, which has uh, doesn't have a spread shot, has a straight beam. Mm-hmm. Um, but the alternate beam uh, fire shoots out a more powerful weapon in any direction you want. Right. Um, actually, so the regular shot will do like the smaller pellets with like the like the waves at intervals the alternate fire is just for aiming you hold that down and you can you can rotate oh, gotcha. you can rotate yeah. the stream of fire um to sh- to shoot things that are either you know to your side off to an angle or behind you which means yes. that the normal kind of calculus of positioning yourself that something has to be above you for you to hit it is completely out the window when you're playing yes. this it was cool cool little subversion yeah um i never i never got into the ship again but um it's a it's a cool version. It was very fiddly. When you watch videos of high level play, often as not, this is the one they're using because yes. it does let you get into um, advantageous positions that other ships just cannot be in. When you can, you have a lot of control yeah. for keeping that score and keeping that vaunt up. Yeah. Um, my boy was the charge ship mm. um, who has a uh, kind of rinky dink regular weapon, um, but is always charging this kind of big knob. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like a big, huge honk and dong. It's it's, uh, it's, 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 it's like it's blowing a. It's constantly blowing a bubble gum bubble. Yes, and it's gonna blow up in its face. Yeah. Um, and whenever you hit the altar fire, you'll shoot this out. Um, the reason why I like this uh, weapon is that it's a slow projectile. Mm-hmm. Um, so for very mobile enemies, you know, your primary attack is fine. For bosses and stuff, this will get multiple hits on them. Yeah. Um, as this thing moves through them, and uh, the game pretty quickly introduces. Uh, kind of fixtures in the environment that take a lot of hits to kill mm-hmm. that will either fill the screen with bullets or fill the screen with enemies. Um, and you can take out every one of them in a line yeah. with this thing. <laughs> um, so this ended up being the thing that I used uh, up until the end. Right, right. Um, and the the longer you wait between shots, the bigger and more powerful it is. Yes. Um, and luckily, you don't have to wait for it to be fully charged. Like right. You can do smaller ones if you need to. Uh, if you're going to lose your opportunity to shoot at all, mm-hmm. might as well get a little bit of damage. Go ahead and let it go and then move out of the way. Right. Um, my boy was the fourth mm-hmm. ship, uh, the bomber, uh, mm-hmm. which initially looks really unimpressive because its primary fire is like this tiny little like rinky dink little pellets. Like pew, 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 pew. However, mm-hmm. when you press the secondary fire, it detonates all of the bullets on the screen. Yes. Um, all, so, all of your bullets. All, yes. All, <laughs> that would be yeah. crazy. <laughs> you just die. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> challenge mode. Yeah. Um, no, it detonates all of your bullets that are on the screen. So, like, it introduces almost this, uh, uh, both both of these, the charge and the bomber, are kind of a rhythm-based play. But, like, I really enjoyed kind of flooding the chamber um, and then just, like, having that rhythm of, you know, fire, 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 wait for it to hit, and then boom, and then taking stuff out in an area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are four other ships, which are DLC. Yeah. Ships. So if you're wondering why we did, I didn't play any of the DLC. No. Um, I, I didn't do those ships. I read about them. They sound neat. Yep. Um, they also, I love that it's a DLC thing and they didn't just make it all challenge. Like there's another beginner ship hmm. uh, that does, uh, has regular uh, kind of like a good looking laser and their special thing is homing missiles. Oh, that's the Guy Fox ship? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so they, there are other ships that are, that are kind of interesting uh, in this, but we're not going to talk about those. Right. Because we didn't uh, didn't play that. No. Um, the, the thing when you're talking about this kind of like the WAF award for difficulty curve, um, let's let's just kind of uh, describe it. Yeah. Uh, so this is the thing that you would think, based on everything we've ever said before, we would hate, but is yes. actually in service to the difficulty curve. Yes, and it ends up being that you know the levels have enough variety and are short enough to where this is works. So mm-hmm. uh, it does that. You know, if you want to play a git, you know, this would happen like on NES games and stuff too, where you'd play on easy and they'd only let you play half the game. Yeah. Um, and I, I never liked that, right? Like, it's like, oh, I just want to play the fucking game, you know? Right. Um, let me play it how I want. This game, you know, you can play on normal. It doesn't have it easy. Um, it only lets you play the first three levels. To unlock the fourth level at all, you have to beat the first three on hard. Mm-hmm. To unlock the fifth level, you have to play the first four on uh, uh, hard. Yeah. Or on um, uh, the next one, legendary or... Yeah. Yeah, some some, some other superlative. Yeah, so, um, so you're, you, you play the first three levels three times... And you play the first four, and you play the, the fourth level the fourth, two times. Yes. Yeah. You do uh, shuttle runs. Yeah. Um, essentially to get through this. Um, instead of thinking of it as repetition, which is a big thing that gets in my way of games that make you play them over and over like that, this ends up just kind of being, um, you know, since it's an arcade experience, it works. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't make the game long. No. You know, getting up to the end where I couldn't beat it, like it's still, you know, a long play with deaths and stuff is a half hour. Right. Um, you know, and it's a little bit more than that. This probably person probably has everything unlocked. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just playing this whole version, it makes it a few hours, you know, yeah. a couple hours yeah. to go through. Um, but it just, it's very smooth. Like the, the differences between normal mode level one and legendary mode number, number, uh, level one are significant. Yeah. Like it's harder, mm-hmm. but uh, the like patterns the... make sense and it trains you. Like it actually trains you how to play on the harder level. Yes. This repetition it introduces you to more intricate patterns from familiar circumstances. Yes. (laughs) So like, you know, the same enemy will, you know, fire stuff out um, either more frequently or have like an additional complication to it, or they will throw more of those kinds of enemies onto the screen. The way that you phrase this actually helped unlock it. Like, don't think of it as, you know, (laughs) what they have done is actually made a game with 12, 12 levels. Half of them just look the same. Yeah, instead of a game with five levels, right. like a very short game with five levels, it is a slightly longer game with 12 levels. And that that progression just makes sense. Like the first level at legendary mode mm-hmm. logically follows the fourth level at hard mode, really. Yeah. You know, um, it's a little bit easier, but you just it feels really good. Mm-hmm. It feels really good and gets you uh, get you into yeah. the game. Like, yeah, that first level is hard. You know, when you're first thing down to play it, it's hard. I eventually got to the point where I could do the first two levels on legendary without losing a life. Yeah. That was awesome. That felt great. <laughs> it was, yeah. You know, like it was really, really cool. And that's like, you know, one crediting it or one quartering it or whatever they call it in, uh, in the shoot 'em up world. Yeah. Like I actually kind of understood like, Oh, I want to do this so I can get through this last level. That's much harder. 
And also, this is the game. Yeah. <laughs> like doing this thing. Um, you know, the real game is score. This is actually a baby game. I'm a big baby. I've got poopy in my diaper, etc. <laughs> Just go back and, and listen to that whole diaper diatribe. Yeah. Again, and do it a couple times. <laughs> um, but the. <laughs> take two, they're small. <laughs> Please take all you want, but want all you take. Um, yeah, but the, uh, it just it just works, you know, it, in a way that just feels like it almost feels ludicrous for us. Like we're we're lauding it because it's a good example of this thing that I expect <laughs> from all do. video games. Yeah. <laughs> like that I just feel like I should reasonably be able to just expect a game to do. Yeah, it's not uh, true for every game. You know, not every game does a good job of that. But something that came up a lot, like, uh, sorry, I feel like I, I cut you off. I apologize. No, I was, I was just going to sure. say, I love this car. It has a floor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got one with the wheels. The because um, uh, people, you know, in the in the Gary and Cole don't like difficult games thing that, you know, you're going to call it a straw man, but it does come up. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and then we're like, oh, we love Dark Souls. And people are like, no, you don't. You didn't like the Ring City, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Is that like Dark Souls gets tons of credit for not holding your hand. That's different than not teaching you to play it. Right. <laughs> um, Dark Souls does tons of things to teach you to play it. You have to look at it in a different way than you're used to. Mm-hmm. But there are so many ease of use and kind of difficulty ramping up considerations that once you actually see them and can look out for them, it becomes very obvious. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, you're heading into Blight Town. Here's a shield that protects against poison. Like, you know, maybe you're not used to reading shield descriptions, but there it's there, you know, or, <laughs> hey, you know, this elevator has blood on it. Maybe you shouldn't get on this elevator because whoever was there before got a bunch of blood mm-hmm. taken out of them. You know, um, that's video games. Video games do that, even the really hard ones. And hard games fall down when they stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. You um, know? Hard games fall down when they decide, you know what? Another game has probably done this for everybody or has, has probably has, has probably done it for the players. So I don't need to do it. A lot of yeah. let's just start at 10. <laughs> Yeah, you don't, you just, you just don't need to start at 10. Yeah. You know, as a thing. And this game, which you, you start off at like a five, like it's a hard game, you know, starts off mm-hmm. at nothing, but, and eventually goes to being what I consider to be pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, Cause I'm a Google baby. Um, but the, uh, it just, it goes up one point yeah. at a time. But, but, and but that's but, all I want. You but, know, by the time you get to, you know, the final, not the final stage, because what do we want but by the time you get to the legendary difficulty level, um, it doesn't feel like, uh, it, it feels like you're equipped for it. It feels like yes. the game has given you what you need to succeed at this as opposed to laughing at you as you bounce off of it. Yes. Yep. Um, even down, so there's a bunch of different modes for this. I didn't spend tons of time with that, uh, mm-hmm. these, but you can buy them in addition to buying ships. And these are actually training things as well. Yeah. Um, there'll be like little challenge, like VR missions, mm-hmm. you know, like get the score, survive for this long, etc. And they will kind of train you for different situations yeah. that you'll have in the main game. Yeah. So... Um, yeah. One of those modes that you get is actually the mode where you play every stage back to back to back. By default, mm-hmm. it is not expecting you to, you know, basically play the entire game on one credit or whatever. Like there's a there's a level select. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Love it, love it, love it. Very, yeah. very well done. Um, <laughs> and you can also unlock a mode that allows you to just kind of go through the whole thing one after another without the story. Yeah. Um, it's very good about letting you skip story stuff because it knows that's not what you're here for. Mm-hmm. Like it is a bonus thing that scaffolds up the, the theming. Right. More than anything. Yeah. Um, so well, well loved game, indie success story, you know, three people, as we mentioned, reviewed really well, sold really well, ended up in a bunch of early humble bundles. You own this game. Yep. <laughs> if you search uh, Jamestown in your Google, 
you'll find that you have a Steam key for it <laughs> uh, somewhere. And don't be like me and sleep on it until you do a show that makes you play this so you have a point of comparison. <laughs> so you're not to, you know, so you're not insane from thinking that this genre a lot of people uh, love is actually very bad. Right. Like, yeah. I ended up having tons of fun with it. Nick is a big proponent of this, uh, Nick Lauber. Uh -huh. And he, you know, I was like, yeah, I didn't really like it. And he's like, oh, I love that game. Mm -hmm. And he was right. Yeah. Uh, I was wrong about it. Like, it is, uh, you know, now yeah. I see the light. So if you want to play a shoot 'em up that is also a video game, Jamestown is for you. <laughs> if you love two things, shoot 'em ups and video games, here's the intersection of them. Man, that's a that, that's a real good way to get people pissed off is to say something they like isn't a video game. Yeah, I really yeah, hate when people yeah. do that to things that I don't like. But you understand what I mean, like a game that yeah. you know teaches you to play it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, a game that does the normal things that we expect games to do. Um, the difference between a Meat Boy and an I Want to Be the Guy and uh, you know I Want to Be the Bashi. You know, as 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 kind of thing. So, um, let's uh, let's get into it. Let's do uh, it. Chapter one: War upon the Eastern Frontier. I love these title cards. I, I guess I, real quick before we get into, it, I want to make a, a quick note that like this chapter of a, there's some gross stuff in this game. Kind of as far as like, you know, conquistadors and American colonialism, colonialism shit. Yeah. Like yeah. it is having fun with a pretty dark. Uh, just like any steampunk that's going to be about, ha ha, I'm a, I'm a Gilded Age robber baron who's living high on the hog because I'm white. Um, yeah, I felt, exactly. I felt pretty, pretty happy taking out a conquistador. Like the, the, yeah. the Spaniards fuck stuff up too. So. Sure. Yeah. Like no, nobody was good, but yeah. the game is not interested in and does not comment on that. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, just I mean, like, that out as a thing that it literally it, portrays the, 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 the creatures that were here when we got here as monsters. So, yes. Uh, and of course here is Mars, but it is kind of playing in that parable zone. Um, it was made in 2011 before people thought about that as much. And definitely before, before I thought about before it before the great awakening. Yeah, it was, it was made in 2011, you know, before the revolutionary times in which it was based. Um, it was made in 2011 before I remember seeing anything really yeah, about yeah. this as a concern, before that degree of sensitivity uh, turned up, um, you know, and, and save your uh, people are too sensitive. Today, yeah. you know, like you don't get to get to say that as like mm -hmm. just a, you know, white dude game player, like you don't get to choose what other people are too sensitive about. And we're not choosing what other people are too sens about, sensitive about. We just want to make a note that this is a thing that the game uh trucks in but does not handle or address right um if that is something that ruins it for you um we understand and mm -hmm. that's fine yeah um but war upon the eastern frontier yes um so this opens up it gives us our setup you know raleigh is surveying the colony of jamestown which is this amazing uh kind of array of floating islands um that also that also have like you know colonial era forts built on top of them but they've got futuristic cranes just all these all these eras are mashing up and, you know, he talks about like, yeah, I'm here to, you know, find out what happened to the Vanish Roanoke colony. And to do that, we need to go find John Smith, who is fighting the allied Spanish and Martian forces. Yeah. Yeah. And that starts you uh, on your first uh, level where it's kind of, you know, the last bit you're going to be near civilization. Yes. Um, you know, this this, uh, this the settlement that you're in is being destroyed by this invasion yeah. of uh, Martians, <laughs> these, these kind of Lovecrafty monster things. Yeah. Um, and you, you kind of, you know, move through the level. It starts. Yeah. Uh, it's um, this great. Is the most like civilized that it is. Yeah. Like, you're going over fields of crops and habitations. Yeah. You're seeing, um, like ships below you. Uh, they're like red coat musketeers that you can see kind of moving around mm -hmm. and firing. They're not dangerous. They're on your side. Um, yeah. but it is amazing set dressing. Like, you know, actually like setting you in the middle of a battle, um, that well, is bigger than just you and the ships. 
and some of it is there's it's literal set dressing. There's a couple mm-hmm. little key scripted moments where they will take down a ship for you, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. Like it doesn't actually does it impact play now. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of a cool, you know, a uh, little bit of personality mm-hmm. during this. And that's one of the things uh, in that Schmuppelations interview with these guys. They talked about um, how in a lot of shooters, even when, you know, they're huge fans of the genre, obviously, um, everything is very static. Yeah. Um, animations are very limited. Uh, enemies just kind of move like they're a, a sprite in space and move around. And they didn't want to do that. And the animation in this game is very expressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this first level feels like a thesis statement about that. Yes. You know, having this like it never quite gets to that level again where there's these little uh, little guys running around. It makes it feel like a real kind of world a little bit and mm-hmm. that there's actually this little bit of uh, character and charm. Yeah. To it. Yeah. Uh, so your primary threats in this are from the ground. Actually, you get these kind of turtle tanks that are, you know, walking along and firing up. Uh, there are like Martian artillery emplacements uh, that'll, mm-hmm. uh, you know, send a, send a few bullets uh, at you. But, it you know, nothing that quite arises to the level of pattern yet until yes. you get to these larger glowing ships that give you kind of your first double helix. Yeah, they look a little bit like uh, like chandeliers. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things I love about the theming of this is by making it steampunk versus aliens like this, it is instantly easily readable what's a bad guy yeah um anything that looks alien that has that kind of organic look to it is bad yeah you know destroy it um but it really you know again eases you in mm-hmm. real yeah. easy i love these um, double helix patterns because like you you know you you establish the, the distance that you want to be and then you just sit in between these beams as they're firing them yeah yeah or you know you can oftentimes cut them off like your super beam this is training you to use your super beam mm-hmm. because they have a little uh delay yeah before they attack so if you uh put that on them and uh kind of concentrate fire you can take them out before they shoot yeah um you eventually get to the boss of this uh the traitor of prince um who is this big tentacle you know lovecrafty ship mm-hmm. here who shoots out bullet hell patterns that are very familiar to me um as feeling like they came out of uh late game isaac bosses yeah you know this is Bullet hell the same way the hush fight is bullet hell. Um, same way the know, hush fight. Yes, it's a, a late game optional Isaac boss. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, named Hush. Yeah. Um, the uh, so it's it's like that. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm very used to dodging those things. Um, <laughs> they're not super hateful. They're regular. So like when something pops out, like it'll be a spiral pattern that pops out, but it will be static. Like that spiral stays the same as it moves out. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, and bullets just kind of generally move a little slower in this game than they do in Ikaruga, at least. Yes. You know, um, which is which is useful and yeah. helpful. Um, unless you think that this is a very static kind of fight um, as you are dealing with these, um, you know, with, with these patterns and these sprays and stuff. It is summoning these large swarms of smaller Martians to, like, fly in from the top of the screen. And these, you know, move in a very noisy uh, kind of way. Well, they, they, they do, but they're limited to a side. Yeah. Like he, the, the boss moves to the side and then he rains down this organic junk. And actually where that organic junk is, is the safest place to be. Um, you can, if you just keep firing, you won't get hit there. Those, those monsters die in one hit. It's very intimidating. Um, but he's tricking you into being under him where he, you have a very tight play space and he is shooting a more concentrated field of bullets right. down there. So it's not insurmountable. You can be down in that little kill box he created, mm-hmm. but it's a really visually cool thing. And this is an invasion, right? Like, yeah. It's it's signaling like, hey, while you're dealing with this guy, here are all the things going past you to the colony you just failed to protect. Yeah. You know, it's very cool. Mm-hmm. Really, really good fight. Yeah. Um, all these bosses have phases. 
Um, and they're clearly, yes. they're clearly, uh, uh, demarcated on their, that. on their health, on their health bar, which is nice. The final nothing one. Nothing refills, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Shit. yeah. <laughs> um, except for, except for the final boss, which does yes. refill. Um, yeah. but, um, but no, like in its final phase, it starts like panicking, um, and does something. I, I love, I love this in, in here where it'll charge up and shoot these homing bursts of energy that will like follow you a little bit lazy and you can kind of juke them to one side. Like you can actually yeah. like trick them and do uh, flying wide of you, which is very good. Very Isaac. Like it is <laughs> extremely like that is extremely Isaac as well. There's a lot of Isaac DNA in this or yeah. vice versa. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it'd be hard for me to imagine this as a, an influence, but it very well could be. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yeah, you eventually take him down. He's not hard. Uh, you know, I mean, he starts off hard, but you can, you will get good at him. Um, and that allows you to move on to chapter two, journey through the dark sector. Yes. Um, so we have met up with John Smith, uh, who looks like a toothless yeah, yeah, grizzled prospect. Why, why is John Smith going to warn me not to go on the log cabin ride at Disney World? Like... <laughs> um, he's not a person that I would go to for military advice uh, if I wanted to know if there was gold in them thar hills. Uh, yeah, he, this guy says there's gold in them thar everything, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is a, when, every, when everything looks like, when you're a prospector, everything looks like a gold in them thar hills yeah. kind of situation. Like, <laughs> it's a really weird thing, because I don't know enough about John Smith, but I didn't think that he was uh, a guy who warned kids not to sleep at a summer camp. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know very much about history, but... Be, didn't people don't this. go that way very much anymore. He's <laughs> very much like... Not uh, since the old mill shut down. Yeah. <laughs> like... For some reason, that's John Smith. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, we need to, you know, kind of chart this path to Roanoke through uh, Spanish territory. Um, yes. This stage is very memorable because it it, it has a turn. Like there yeah. is a moment where you stop fighting one thing and you start fighting another thing. And there's a there's a dramatic pause in the yeah. middle of it. I love this yeah, so much. Actually, it's downtime. Yeah. What? Who's 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 doing that? Like in, in this in this genre. Very cool. When there um, when there she, are no bullets on the screen, you should say, Where are all the bullets? <laughs> exactly. Bullets are gonna get here. Bullets are gonna get here. Um, you're fighting these different ships, which do feel pretty differently, you know, feel fight pretty differently than the Martian ships. Um, you know, a little bit closer to you uh in how they fight. Like they shoot out uh patterns of bullets straight down um a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but this the first part of it feels a little bit of that mixed with just kind of a general Galaga mm -hmm. kind of thing, you know, just a, a enemy comes in from the side, shoots a couple of bullets, leaves, mm -hmm. you know, and the, as you go, like, you know, there is that moment where it gets quiet, but it also happens very gradually where the sky gets dark. Yeah. Um, you know, as you go and it's uh, very cool. The, uh, the, like the, the color is sapped from the land. Yeah. 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 Um, and while it's doing that, it's also teaching you things like this is where enemies start going into your bottom play space. You know, mm -hmm. if you are hugging the bottom, as you do, um, as this rainstorm starts, enemies start doing that, like moving down and getting you out of that comfort zone. Mm -hmm. The clouds clear and you go over an area that is uh, covered by this kind of corruption. Mm -hmm. This, uh, you know, this little fortress that has all these tentacles and uh, trees and kind of glowing mushrooms and stuff growing out of it. Mm -hmm. And then you pass, uh, and just, you pass a broken sign that says, hey, this is Roanoke. Yeah. Yep. And this is what happened to Roanoke in this <laughs> alternate history. Right. It got absorbed by like. Power fungus. It, yeah, it was like claimed by the Martian swamp. Yes, like creep, <laughs> like Zerg creep, essentially. Yeah, took it over. Um, introduces the second type of enemy, and the enemy you're going to be fighting for most of the rest of this, which are these kind of glowing orb, uh, fungus creature. Things. Yeah, yeah. So they're like tumors that are going up there that are going out of the background, in addition to some that are kind of floating around. Um, and all of the patterns quickly switch from being very ordered to being again chaotic and organic. 
Yes. Um, they also do a thing where enemies will telegraph their eventual presence. Like things will be um, there as kind of a pod that hasn't sprouted yet. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll know it's going to be there before it sprouts and starts shooting. Yeah. I mean, and, that, um, and that's especially dramatic with uh, with the flowers because those start out as like buds. Then they flash and then they kind of like open up and unfurl to make like these gigantic Jumanji trap plants um, yes. that will, you know, fire off just a huge noisy spray at you. And I imagine that if you are playing this for score, there's some metagame in allowing them to turn into the, you know, and allowing them to sprout because some of them you can kill before they sprout. Um, when they're big, they give you more gears, more mm -hmm. bolts and more gold. So I imagine like there's a lot of kind of depth and risk reward in, in this level. If you're playing for score yeah. again, I never got to that point as much as we've heaped a lot of praise on this. It's not like I became an expert at it. No, no. Um, but uh, very, very cool in general, you know, and so distinct from the first level. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as these uh, these kind of uh, larger kind of pod things pop up, uh, this increases these these things that have these gigantic mouths uh, that <laughs> spit out things of bullets. We approach the uh, the boss here, the Lady of the Lake, <laughs> mixing some mythology there, but I'll take it. Yeah, um, this is not you know a beautiful woman who gives you a sword. No, this is a gigantic uh, kind of like uh, tentacle monster with a jet with an eye at the center of it. It's almost like Looks a beholder a bit, kind of thing. Yeah, it's like a beholder, but it has a little bit of the face of uh, um, Ultros. Yeah, a little. Yeah, it looks like Altros. Mm -hmm. And this is introduced again, ramping you into this bullet hell stuff because he has two little options in the back mm -hmm. that are going to shoot out these little triple shots that you have to constantly be dodging while he does beams to kind of control the the flow. Yeah, of things. He's like chasing you around. He's hemming. He, it's uh, it's all like slicing the pie and just uh, kind of like pushing you from one side of the screen to the other. Yes, um, that's phase one. Phase two, uh, she dunks under the water. And it just introduces a lot of much stronger versions of those uh, those pods that popped up. Yeah, the flowers. And the flowers, they'll overlap. So mm -hmm. this is a little bit more bullet heli. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is actually you dodging between narrow places. Um, the third phase is actually very similar to the first phase. I think this boss is actually probably the easiest boss in the game. Yeah. Um, a little bit easier than the first boss even. Mm -hmm. uh, and because the, the third phase is pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Um, she moves back and forth a little bit, but it doesn't make a big difference. Right. So, like, this level doesn't distinguish itself on difficulty. It distinguishes itself by being uh, dramatic. Yes, which is cool. Like, a mm -hmm. cool value for this genre, I think. Yeah. Um, we move on to Chapter 3, uh, Prisoner of the Badlands. Yes. Um, we get this cutscene with Virginia Dare, uh, the firstborn person in the New World, mm -hmm. uh, who emerges from this swamp. Yes. And uh, she wants you, to ha wants you to help her rescue her father, Yoakum. Um, Roanoke was destroyed by this swamp. Uh, mm -hmm. It was controlled by the Martians, uh, this Martin, Martian weapon wielded by the Conquistador. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So uh, in order to get Joachim out, we have to go after this prison and we do an old fashioned prison break. Um, and this entire prison colony is like on these this fleet of floating islands that have um, like hangar bays on the side of them. So like that is yeah. where the enemies are going to uh, kind of scramble from. Yes. Yeah. Um, this is a little bit more similar to uh, level one as yes. far as uh, dealing with a lot of ground-based kind of enemies, like little tank type things and ground emplacements. Mm -hmm. um, but it also introduces uh, mines or these little bomb things or what have you that uh, they will explode in a, a radial pattern if you don't destroy them in time. Yeah. So they become like a prioritizing thing. There's a lot more triage in this level mm -hmm. uh, than there were in previous levels. Yes. Um, yeah. you also get, uh, different movement patterns on enemies. You have, uh, flying, flying saucers that'll do kind of these loopy patterns yes, as they deploy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and like ones that, that will actually home for you to kind of do a little suicide runs. 
mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, real cool. This level also not very hard. Like it's a gold rush. Like this is this was the easiest level for me to maintain vaunt on, just because mm -hmm. you are killing so many things that are going to drop the gold for you. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of little guys. Um, I I used vaunt in the game, but I I think that it I never since I wasn't playing for score and because I was, was new to the concept, I still kind of used that as a panic button. Mm -hmm. um, I never intentionally maintained vaunt mm. through a level. I knew that you could even while playing. Yeah. I just didn't do it. You know, and part of it is necessity. Like it's not until you get a bit later in the game, it's not necessary. It's not that hard right. until you get to later modes rather. Mm -hmm. um, and part of it was just uh, my instincts weren't made for that. Right. You know, I, it was almost exclusively a panic button for me. Mm -hmm. um, eventually this kind of foreshadows the next level by having these kind of industrial emplacement kind of things. These uh, sections that will shoot beams between them kind of like clotheslines. Mm -hmm. um, and if you, you want to destroy one of them, uh, which will remove the ability to shoot this uh, kind of tripwire. Mm-hmm. Uh, close line between and then just make them shoot kind of slow moving regular bullets yeah yeah um all of this leads up to the boss of the area the dread century which is kind of this yes. flying um x-shaped platform with glowing domes that you have to target yeah um also pretty easy but uh pretty consistently you know shooting out bullets at reveal patterns like and 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 big bullets mm -hmm. as well like the those the bolts were big <laughs> um so, so like you uh beat my bullet to, make my bullet big yeah, this is, I'm proud of my large curvy bullet son. Um, the, uh, but this uh, means that you have to, uh, you know, the, the dodge space is a little bit smaller and it engages in a little bit of that, like Ikaruga stage three stuff with these, uh, these, uh, lines of bullets that will come in from the side, mm -hmm. um, there where you have to kind of like, you're pursued by them. You have to kind of thread that needle. Um, this is a, a good ramp up. Mm -hmm. Like this is introducing concepts that's going to continue to, uh, move forward with and kind of develop on yeah um you know and is again but just a blast of play like he's yeah. very fun to fight Th this no. boss i think is kind of the most dramatic example of the way things ramp up as you go up in difficulty because even mm -hmm. on normal it is introducing you to the bullet hell concept of again finding your safe space looking at the rhythm of these patterns as they go um but each iteration makes it more and more intense and kind of uh reduces the amount the percentage of the screen that won't kill you right yeah um it's it's a very good like object lesson like i almost want to like take a video of it and then put them next to each other to show yeah to show the like way all, this works like all four like four screens that show the same boss fight in tandem right you know would be would be a cool thing um this moves on to chapter four uh secret minds of new madrid <laughs> so good i, I would read, the, i would read a paperback called the secret <laughs> minds of new madrid um you get this little cutscene that shows uh yokum who is apparently an akari warrior <laughs> Um, <laughs> he's either an Akari warrior or he's like a rejected uh, band member of Live. Yeah, he's he's an American gladiator who drums for Live on the, <laughs> the side. Uh, the the actual like static art in this game is not great. Like the actual sprite work is really good, but the cutscene art feels a little amateurish to yeah. me. Um, but uh, he wants to take the fight right to the conquistador's door. Yeah. Um, and uh, you need to stop uh, them before you can do that. Though they're going to reawaken this Martian weapon. Right. And we have to go into their minds and stop them. Yeah. Because uh, if they stop. if they do that, then you know Jamestown is done for. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, which gives us a subterranean mine level. Yeah. Uh, with like cool mine carts and uh, this is where the charge beam. This is where I fell in love with it because it was the first level I could use it. Mm -hmm. um, but also there are a lot of linear enemies. Um, you can line up that charge beam on a line of track mm -hmm. and then just send a slow moving bullet through everything in <laughs> as, it. as these carts just careen toward their doom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the kind of the, to me, the principal kind of enemy is the, of this is the big kind of like, 
don't really know how to describe them. Um, there are these gigantic ships that have a certain number of nodes. And once you take out the first node, uh, nodes will pop up on their back. Uh-huh. You have to individually destroy each of which will shoot out bullets. Yeah, yeah. And the game they get progressively. Uh, so they start out with just four of those back nodes, mm-hmm. um, and then they start out having you know sixteen. Yeah, uh, they get they get pretty big. It's um it's kind of ridiculous. It's like the uh, the street signs in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they're okay. I understand that eventually they're just gigantic and there are a bunch of them. Yeah, um, and it's a kind of a risk reward thing because once they pop those back nodes, um, they do get tougher. You know, those back nodes will all shoot, mm-hmm. but you also can't just leave them on the screen because other shit's going on. Yeah. So this is this is the first level that feels, you know, relatively bullet helly. Yeah. To me. You know, again, not as not as tough as as a Kruger, not nearly as tough. Mm-hmm. But it's uh you know, you there are lots of uh lots of quick dodges, tight dodges and stuff. Yeah. That you're doing here. Mm-hmm. Uh the boss for this is very cool. I like this yeah, enough yeah. a lot. The last express. Um, yeah. I, I didn't make a note of all the subtitles, but I love this one. An arrow, an arrow, yeah. an arrow <laughs> loosed at the heart of Mars. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, and this is like a chase. Yeah. Um, this is you chasing a train. Yeah, you know, again, like, kind of going that Western, I feel. Yeah, you're, t- you're chasing a train. And it's, uh, like, it's, it's like a drill train. It's like a, like a snow piercer that is literally yeah. like going into the core to awaken this weapon. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it is very much like glowing, you know, managing uh, kind of bullet patterns uh, through these phases while taking out weak spots. Yeah. Uh, these like kind of red orb weak spots that will shoot at you as well. Um, and just kind of seeing if you can maintain yourself in the position or vaunt mm-hmm. over to the position to take those out mm-hmm. while you're avoiding bullet spreads. Yeah. And like all of this culminates, like, you know, has multiple guns. Eventually it just starts spraying massive patterns of bullets, these spirals in different directions at kind of like alternate phases yes. and like, you know, like dictating a very specific line that you need to follow. Yes. Um, so the vaunt ends up being very useful here as a, uh, a kind of safety button to just sh- shunt over just the other sides mm-hmm. of the thing. Um, as you are killing these phases, um, you are pe- taking off like cars of this train mm-hmm. to get up to the front. And uh, you have the, uh, the main character here. And this is kind of like there's a recharge mechanic. <laughs> um, he has two little red orbs that power his shield. You have to take those out to take down his shield. Then you can damage him. But if you don't do enough damage, uh, the shield will go back up. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually you get through that, uh, and you blow up the train and that moves on to the next level the last level. Yep. The lost temple of Croatoa history lesson. You may remember this from uh, social studies. Um, when people found the, uh, the, the abandoned colony of Roanoke, there was only one word written on a tree, Croatoa. Yes. It's also really huge in the comic, a hundred bullets hmm? as a, uh, as a plot point. Oh, cool. Yeah. Which is not a bad little comic. That I read a lot of when I was kind of hard up for comics, I guess. Um, <laughs> I've, like I've, it's, I've it's, never heard of it, so I'll just have to believe you. It made, it made a huge impact at the time, but like, uh-huh. yeah, nobody talks about 100 Bullets anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, it had a great premise. Like, the premise was a man comes up to people who were wronged, who maybe don't know how they were wronged, and gives them a briefcase with 100 bullets. And they say, if you shoot anybody with this, there won't be an investigation with any of these bullets. Huh. Like, as a kind of like a be careful what you wish for thing. And it's all... For kind of a, a giant plot that got away from it, mm-hmm. but I always like that concept. I, I like just a like a here's a hundred lives you can take with no question. Yeah, a very a very specific Faustian bargain. They also give you a folder of like you know you're in bad circumstances you don't know who put you here. Here's a folder on on who who it did. Yeah, here's you know, here, here, here's, here's what undid here's this, you. Yeah, here's the untold story of you. Right. You know, which is the was the most appealing part to me. I mean, it's like pretty, you know, eventually became kind of full of McKeesmo and shit. But like the that was appealing to me because something that recognized that people end up in bad circumstances without 
knowing who was responsible. Mm -hmm. And there was almost an edge to it that was almost always like, this person closed down the factory that your dad lived in, forcing you to move to this town where this happened. This is the person who, you know, uh, put this person up who like ran your daughter off the road, shit like that. Mm -hmm. Like just indirect kind of lines. And just the idea that somebody knows that stuff, like, the bad things in our life are usually some, not usually, but sometimes somebody is responsible. Yeah, and we don't yeah. often know who. There are a thousand threads attached to every decision we make. And Think you can about your own them. divorce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, this uh, this last uh, section. So they, we have this cutscene before this. We get uh, that shows that they're too late. The conquistador is getting ready to awaken the weapon, destroy Jamestown, and this is the first level of this game I don't like. Yep. And it, it sounds like it's twenty percent of the game that I don't like, but keep in mind it's twelve levels really mm-hmm. uh, that you're actually playing because you play those other ones multiple times. Um, and the reason I don't like it is because it does that background stuff. Yep. This I is an like obstacle navigation stage where you are trying. Uh, oh my gosh, it is so hard. Yeah, I think it's very frustrating. Yeah. Um, you know, part of it is, and this was true in Ikaruga too. I don't know if I mentioned it specifically, but it's kind of hard to tell what's the background and foreground. Yeah. Um, and this, and that's true here. It's very dark. Mm-hmm. Um, which is great for atmosphere, but not great for knowing what yeah. you can fly over and what you fly into. Yeah. And um, in any other genre of game, the idea of an ancient temple that comes to life and tries to kill you, yeah. fucking great. Um, sure. I just don't like having to fly through it because it felt it's like... Because it's because it's an auto-scroller, too. Yeah. Like, if I could just take my time and plot out my course, great. You know, but as it is, like, I'm constantly moving forward. So you end up in those situations, like in Ikaruga, where it's memorization-based. Like, mm-hmm. I'm behind a block. I don't know what's going to happen here. If yeah. I wait a certain amount of time, the block will move for a second. I need to know to move right because that's the only place that's safe. Mm-hmm. I don't know that, though, until I've done it. Right. You know, so I just end up losing a lot of, like I said, I can get up to the end boss of this. Um, I can actually get up to, the, like, the second phase, like the, the Final Fantasy-esque, <laughs> uh, you know, anime waif that it turns into. But I can't get past that because I lose too many lives on the stage Yeah. Uh, to power through that. And the last boss is also very hard. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. While this happening, you're also fighting ships. Yeah, like, like yeah, the, you, you, know, you, you, are, you are being ushered along by fire. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you get to the conquistador. Um, I love the way this is visually set up because he is commanding this large Martian ship uh, by standing on this small island that is floating. And he's like floating yeah. inside of the uh, kind of like the armature. Yeah. Really, really cool. And the, the armature comes up first. Yeah. You know, and then the, uh, the, the ship kind of builds around him. Mm. It's really neat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I couldn't get past the first phase on this because I didn't get to it with enough lives. Um, yeah. And, you know, so this is based on videos. I'm sorry. Uh, but like this is just a kind of like a pattern quiz almost. Like, are you able to deal with multiple patterns at once? Also dealing with those homing bursts that I like so much that you can juke around. Yeah. The patterns are not actually that hard with this this guy. No. I think phase one of him is not hard, actually. Oh, um, thanks. It's. <laughs> I mean, I, I ended up with, you know, with enough levels to get past him. I don't yeah. think he's, he's as hard mm-hmm. is, what, is what I mean. Like yeah. phase one is actually pretty reasonable, but it does that fake out thing where it's like, that's not the real. Right. You know, right. I'm, boss. I'm also, I'm also not offended. So yeah, I, I think, I think it's much easier. Um, he eventually turns into like Sephiroth floating in like a, an anime womb mm-hmm. above a life tree <laughs> uh, in the life stream. So uh-huh. it, it becomes a, goes in the direction i didn't expect it to um and i think this is very hard yeah. um partly because i just don't have very many levels at their lives lives left at this point mm-hmm. you know yeah um uh also it regenerates health like it has little dudes who will come up and fire energy into it so you have to take out uh his options yeah. or else you'll yeah. lose progress or just keep you know consistent fire yeah. on him which is difficult because the game you know 
uh, even, you know, unless you're using that thing that allows you to fire in any direction, mm -hmm. um, and even then it can be difficult, uh, you want to stay below him yeah. to shoot him. Yeah. Um, but mostly he shoots out patterns, again, very much like like Hush. Yeah. Like that Binding of Isaac boss fight, uh, which I'll put a link to the show notes for people who are not Isaac people. Right. Um, um, like, so even if I did manage to get to, you know, the final phase of this, like the last, his last gasp attack, I I don't see how it's survivable. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it is so noisy. It, like it, like it is, it is like Ikaruga levels of, uh, we're filling the, we're filling the screen with bullets, uh, except you don't have the benefit of being able to polarity shift. Yeah. Yeah. It's really intense. Yeah. It's a lot of, of bullets. So, I mean, if you've, if you've got, if you've got some vaunt mm -hmm. going on, it's a good time to use it. You know, and it's just that he has a lot of phases too. Yeah. Uh, so he, he's a he's a six seven phase boss. Jesus. Uh, which is pretty intense. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that's a lot, and that's just the second form of him. Mm -hmm. So the end boss of this is a little bit much. Yeah. Uh, for me, and like luckily when you die, even when you continue, you don't start over from the beginning. Mm -hmm. In this game, you just start over right where you were. But I had limited continues. You know, and that's as far as I get. I do have the feeling like I could get there. Oh yeah. You know, with uh with enough time, you know. I could do that. Right. Uh, and I might, like I might pick this game back up because I do like it a lot. Talking about it is giving me the itch, honestly. Yeah, totally. I've been watching a, a let's play in the background just to remind me of individual enemies and stuff. And it's like, I'd rather be playing this than talking, you know, <laughs> Not that, I mean, it's fun to talk about it too, but right, right. it just looks great. Mm -hmm. um, I really, really love this game. Yeah. Um, so the like, ending uh, yeah. uh, has Raleigh kind of just talking about how, you know, in the last moments, you know, when the conquistador was crying out with pain, you know, as he was being vaporized, as the ashes were even, yeah. you know, burned off the surface of, the, of this planet. Um, he also heard a cry of regret. Like, he he understood, you know, there was something human left to him still. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it is, uh, it, you know, it is now time to seek his fortune in the new world. Yeah. Um, and and presumably he does so. Yeah. Um, you know, setting up for, like, a franchise or sequel that never happens and never will. Yep. Um, which, like, I don't really want a sequel to this. I don't really want this, but harder. You know, if I if I get into this and I beat the end boss, there's enough like challenge modes mm -hmm. uh, and increased difficulties where I could get some joy out of it. Oh, that there's way. there's also the DLC. There's new ships to learn and stuff. Like, yeah, new ships to learn, new levels to play through. Yeah, uh, which I could I could be really into. Um, yeah. But for such like a you know we we keep running into games where it's like very few people on the staff and like for a three person game like really really good. Yeah, you know it's hard kind of hard to believe like you know this this is like a hollow hollow knight esque kind of achievement. Yes. I'd agree. Um, it doesn't it, like the like the production values are high. It doesn't look like they made a lot of sacrifices in that in in that realm, right? Yes. And the, the 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 design of it is you know pretty airtight, you know, with exceptions, you know, <laughs> allowing for exceptions for that last stage, which neither of us really cared for. Yeah, I, f I feel like I don't have a lot to say by way of summing up. It just like this is way more my speed, and I felt. Um, I felt like it, you know, invested in me as a player, right. As mm -hmm. opposed to pushing me away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's really important. And, and as I mentioned, I don't need to go through that whole bit again, but it's just, it's crazy to me to think that's not the minimum, right? you know, or that's not something that people, that everyone wants or desires or requires in a game. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think that that last stage, part of the reason we, the problem we have with it is because it is a huge marked increase in difficulty from stage four. Yeah, like this. This has a really huge learning, a very smooth learning curve for the entire game. If you think about the twelve levels, right? Uh, that it has it doesn't have a great learning curve from level four to level five. Yeah, it's also a very different kind of challenge. Like the game has never really done anything with demanding that you you know dodge obstacles you know to the degree yes. that you hit in there. So it's like 
uh, a, a, you know, a complete change in the verb that it is asking you to do. Yeah. 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 And, and introducing that a little bit slower and a little bit more gradually probably would have made a big difference. Mm -hmm. I think um, it didn't, but it's still something that I, I came away from with really loving being better at Ikaruga. Like weirdly enough, like I played this then was better at Ikaruga, but liked Ikaruga less after I played this <laughs> because it answered all the questions of like, is there a way to do this better? Yeah. Like, or a way that's more, you know, if, if it bothers you replace every time I say better with more friendly, yeah. um, is there a way to do this more friendly? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like a thousand percent there is. Yeah. And I just, uh, you know, one game did it and one didn't. Right. And so, so I'm, I'm really glad that we did both, I guess. Me too. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy that we allowed ourselves the latitude to, you know, to extend the scope of this because I do, I do feel like I understand Ikaruga and the way it comes up short for me, particularly uh, better after having played it, you know? So the, I think that in general, I want to reinforce the thesis. Like if you are like us and you are a dilettante who is mostly just kind of like put a couple of quarters into this kind of game at an arcade, uh, Jamestown is a fantastic place to start. Yep. Like that, like will, that, that, would, your jam. that would be my recommendation because it will, it will carry you. Yep. It teaches you. Yeah. It will, it will give you training wheels and then it will take them, you know, it'll put it ha its hands on his shoulder while you're riding the bike and then it will take away its hands and not even, you won't even know, Yep. you know, and that's uh that's games, you know, that's, that's <laughs> thing you want as far as tutorializing, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are probably books written on that. Like that is just something that is, is a huge thing. And there's this, this intense pocket of a subgenre where I, you know, that is not considered good, mm -hmm. you know, like that's not, you know, it's like, well, we already have that we're an exclusive club. Like we're very small and it's very easy for me to think of, you know, we've made a couple of allusions to that being a negative thing. Like we're an exclusive club kind of thing. It might not be, mm -hmm. it might be that there's not a sense of superiority, which we're projecting onto people who do that. Yeah. You because, know, because, because, because the only experience that I have with this is failure and people telling me, no, the thing you're failing at is not yes. hard. Specifically with souls. Right. Yeah. So like the experience we have is with a, uh, franchise where that exclusive uh, exclusivity club is actually very toxic. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't talked to a lot of people in the shmup community. Like maybe they're actually very welcoming and like want people to get into their thing, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's probably wrong to project the kind of dark soulsism yeah. onto it. Uh, but it is, it does seem that in video games, a really hard, very exclusive, small subgenre does kind of breed a certain kind of fan yeah. that I'm not super crazy about. Right. So, you know, and if you're listening to this and you love those things and you're not that person, that's great. Yep. I'm not calling you that person. No. You know, for those people, you know, don't, don't not, not all amend me. Like <laughs> I'm talking to the people who are the thing. If you're not the thing, that's great. Yeah. I'm not talking to you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm really glad we did these. I'm really glad we did both. Mm -hmm. This was a fun poll. Yeah. What are we doing next time, Cole? Well, Gary, next time we are doing the Witcher 3 DLC, Hearts of Stone. We're covering mm -hmm. all of that in one episode. There's not much in the way of side material in that. However, it is an amazing main quest um, that, you know, Gary uh, felt like he was overselling me by saying like, oh, this gets the Planescape Award for writing in games. Yeah, uh, it does. So Yeah, it does. It, it is. It's a, the memorial, the Planescape Memorial <laughs> Award for writing in games. Uh, I love it. And uh, it's extremely good. After that, we're doing Breath of the Wild, um, the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. We're doing mm -hmm. that in two parts. Yep. Um, probably part one systems, uh, part two story. Yeah. Uh, and kind of, you know, walk through, I guess. Um, that's going to be really fun. We're going to be joined by John Hurst, mm -hmm. uh, who sponsored that episode. 
Um, he is uh, one of our patrons, mm-hmm. and that is one of our Patreon rewards, as you get yeah. to sponsor and guest on an episode. Yeah. Um, next month, or not next month, uh, maybe next month, April, uh, we are doing <laughs> yeah. Bioshock 2 uh, as one episode, and then Minerva Den, <laughs> Minerva's Den as the other. Um, yep. And uh, our final episode is going to be another guest episode with uh, with Justin Gutt talking about the uh, talking about the Ur, um, yeah, the the Ur vent crawler Ultima Underworld. Yes. Yep. The uh, the Ur. None of the uh, the the actual signifiers for that really work. Yeah. I'm sure there are no vents in that game, and I'm sure there's no O four or five one. <laughs> so just just pick your poison for describing that type of game. Right. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, really looking forward to scratching that off my list because it's it's responsible for so much that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like this show, there's a bunch of different things you can do. We mentioned Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash duckvtv, mm-hmm. you can join us. I uh, get a lot of cool rewards, um, including hanging out with us on the Slack. Uh, come hang out with us on the Slack. Yeah. It's very fun. Um, I want to uh, mention one of the things you can do is listen to uh, our other shows. Um, we have a lot of other shows. We uh, have Abject Suffering. Uh, our show uh, sensibly about bad games. Um, we have uh, that's, that's really it that I can think of right now. And the, no, there's more, but I'm there's, I'm sleepy boy. Yeah, there's the, there's too many. It's been a long week for you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, please check that out. You can find all the shows at duckfeed.tv. Additionally, we do video stuff. Uh, I want to yeah. I want to talk that up. You do uh, choose your illusion, where uh, on Friday nights you uh, read through choose your adventure games with the audience mm-hmm. on Twitch. Uh, yes. It's twitch.tv slash duckfeedtv, and they are archived at youtube.com slash duckfeedtv. Um, I do Hexcrank Live, where I play horror games on the weekends. And then during the week, I have started a new series called Cold Playing Games, where I play uh, the RPGs that we don't cover on this show. So I'm currently yep. playing through um, Breath of Fire 3. It's an act of kindness to stop me from playing that era of RPGs. <laughs> it's a... Uh, uh, I know that's that, that, that's a solipsistic uh, way to free, you know frame it. It's because it's <laughs> no. you want to do them, but it's yeah. I, I wasn't going to do Breath of the Fire three anytime soon, so yeah, it yeah. Uh, it, it works out really well. Yeah, I'm I'm um, a little bit more tolerant of them, and they're fun to do with an audience, and uh, I get to play games that I like an awful lot, you yeah. know, a little bit at a time without feeling like I have a deadline or anything. So yeah, are you having are you having fun with it? I am. Breath of Fire three is an amazing game. It's very charming, um, which I know is not like the uh, the the one the thing you want at a like a high level you know like oh like a, it sounds like an apology like oh the personality is great um but it does go down very smooth um mm-hmm. and it has a lot of very interesting systems namely the um the the enemy skill system like the examine system where you like basically everybody is a blue mage um and your main character you know has the ability to turn into different kinds of dragons and that is a way that it uh kind of like gates superpowers that help you beat particular bosses as you know as you go along the way so yeah. yeah, Breath of Fire Three is very good. Yep. Um, the uh, the thing, yeah. So uh, check check those things out. Uh, check those out and uh, subscribe. Um, also, uh, in this should have been the previous section, but this is the first. Uh, yeah, I just want to mention it for the first couple shows. Mm-hmm. Um, check out everything to Guppy. Uh, me and Will Hughes Binding of Isaac show. You've listened to me talk about the Hush a couple times in that. Uh, that's because Binding of Isaac is like slowly realizing like maybe my favorite video game um and the uh, it's definitely the one i put the most time in by a factor of 10 uh-huh. um and the uh that is a fun show that shows up on uh almost every day four days a week mm-hmm. that is that monster in my podcast does not show up yeah uh and we will get to hush in probably 2025 yep or so uh based on our current uh schedule <laughs> uh, going through. that's not quite true but uh there's a lot of things in that game and we're talking about all of them so yep. uh that is at everything to guppy.cat or duckfeed.tv just you know select the cover right there yeah choose, choose your poison 
Um, yeah, and I think that's about it. Uh, aside from the thanks, we can thank people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing that you get uh, if, through Patreon, if you're one of our patrons, we like to say thanks. Yeah. Um, thank you very much to uh, Terry Raidmeyer. Yeah. Thank you very much to Rachel Greer. No relation, I assume. Yeah, but even if relation, also thanks. Yeah. Um, thanks to Josh Grimmer, uh, who I interact with on, on Twitter and stuff. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. Uh, thanks to, I'm going to say, Say Sayington. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that's a real name. Um, could be <laughs> like I mean, just because like Gary Garyton, like it, you know, could be could be real, could be a, a nom de plume. Yeah, uh, both are acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you to Jonathan Shatos. Yeah, really do appreciate it, guys. Makes a big difference for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so until next time, what should they watch out for? Cool. A hop in the blood vat. <laughs> We're gonna Mbasa. make it a thing. Umbasa. Umbasa. I mean, usually we do something with the games. But that's, yeah, that's okay. The, uh... <laughs>